Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL tour. And here we are for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast. Boxhead, how you doing? Good, buddy. It's all good. Oh, you know, fought off the Rona. But now I've got something else. I don't know what it is, mate, but it's just that time of year. Bit of long COVID. Yeah, no, the old long COVID, but we've got multiple missing at work. We had a bit of a super spreader event during the flood emergency we had the other week. A lot of people cross-pollinated, so there's a lot of people off. Um, but yeah, a bit of flu going around, a bit of everything. So much like a few weeks ago, if I sneeze or I cough, I apologise, but it is what it is. Yeah. So yourself, good week. You had holidays, another win with the, the Cup boys on the weekend. So positive. Yeah, went back to school today. So a bit of panel beating going on there with some kids who have, you know, wanted to get outside the... Uh, Get outside the rules of the classroom today, so there was a bit of panel beating going on. Good. Knocking them back into line, but uh, <clears> yeah, another good win on the weekend over the Raiders. Brad Abbey scored a try with, geez, must have been... 20 seconds, I think, from where yeah, I was sitting. 20 seconds to go, and got a win over the Raiders, which is, yeah, big, another big result for our club. And, yeah, we're four, I think we're four and four now since I took over as cup coach, which is, yeah, it's, it's nice, it's... It's proving to, um, like I said last week, a lot of uh, a lot of NRL clubs that have got full-time players running around against our part-time players who don't have the pay or the luxury of, you know, just being able to train full-time and have that as their career focus. We've got guys who are, you know, labouring all day and, you know, we're training three times a week. One of those is, a, you know, a short and captain's run. So as NRL clubs, we should be looking at some of the guys that are going well for us. So that, that's my goal. It's not so much the wins and losses. The wins are good. Like, the wins are unreal. But I just, yeah, I want as many of, uh, of the guys that, that are in the team at the moment or in the squad to go on and hopefully get an opportunity in a full-time capacity, you know, whether that's with whoever we uh, affiliate with next year or at another club. You just want, you want to see these guys progress and, and realise their dream. That's, that's what it's all about. And they're just... They're an unreal group. They're an unreal group. They've been really good to me, and you know, no, no coaching job is easy. But they've certainly made, you know, made uh, my time there as head coach, you know, fairly easy and fairly smooth. I, I did have to give them a bit of a, a bit of a spray at halftime on the weekend. Um, but so yeah, it's one of those. It probably wasn't our best. Well, certainly wasn't one of our top three performances since I've taken over, but we just, yeah, we're in a little bit of a habit at the moment. We're just, 
seemed to find a way to compete and find a way to, to win some close games, which has been, yeah, really good. And we've, you know, we've played some good footy against good teams and we've been, we've been beaten. Probably, probably played better, better football across 80 minutes against other teams that have actually lost those games. You know, the, the quality of footy that we produced on the weekend probably, it wasn't up to where we want it to be. Uh, across, you know, across 80 minutes. It certainly wasn't anywhere near, near where we have been or where we expect ourselves to be, but Canberra had a, had a few out and, yeah, we just managed to compete and stay in the game long enough to win it late, which was, yeah, it's pleasing. But everything's good at the club. We've got six games to go and we've got to, you know, we've got to run into Penrith at Penrith, which is going to be a tough game. And But, you know, we're just looking, looking to compete every week. We go in with a plan every week. I'm pretty diligent around you know, what I want to do and how I want to attack the other team and try and just sell that to the players and giving the players a lot of input into that as well because you know, I think that's where you get you get buy-in when your players are on board with what you want to do. And Chris Hutch and Bortho and all those boys that full-time at Mounties, they've been unreal as well. We're all working really, really hard. So it's just good to, yeah, get a result every now and then and keeps the wheels ticking over. And, but it's been, yeah, a really, really cool opportunity and I'm really enjoying it, so... 100%. And I, like I said here before, I think everyone's enjoying it. Everyone's carried on. It's been a win for everybody. Mick, rightfully, um, getting another opportunity in the NRL that, like, the circumstances, obviously, uh, ones that he probably didn't expect. But I'm sure plenty of Tigers fans and everyone remembers that situation, how that played out was pretty unfair on his part. And I think he's proven a point up there as well. Definitely. Yeah, <laughs> so. I, spoke to, I speak to Mick at least once a week, but sometimes twice a week. And we don't actually talk a lot of footy we just because we get along pretty well on a personal level. We just chat about family and life and, yeah, footy sort of comes into it a little bit. But he's, yeah, he's a beautiful human and he's helped me a lot to develop me. And, yeah, I, I only ever said to him, like, I, I, I would love to do your job, but only when only if you get get a promotion or, you you know, you decide to hang him up. And, yeah, we're just really happy that he, he got a promotion and he's... Yeah, he's making a fist of it. He's he works hard, Mick, and he's a good guy. I've got no doubt he would be connecting with the players, and he's an easy guy to play for because he's yeah, just just a a good good human, and he he means well, and he yeah, he just he's pretty honest, and but um yeah, really really happy for him. So there's yeah, there's been a lot of negative things said about you know the relationship between us and the Bulldogs and. You know, there's been a lot sort of made of it. They've put their own New South Wales Cup in and, you know, the impact that that had on us, there probably hasn't been a lot of that, lot made of that. Uh, but there's been a lot of positives to take out of this year as well. So just that's where my head's at at the moment and that's where it will continue to be for the for the rest of the year. 100%. Hopefully a strong finish on both accounts for Dogs and Mick and obviously yourself and everybody at Mounties on the run home. But let's jump in. Uh, we're late night again, so I'm going to break the structure. I had everything back in for set of six and the talking points and all that, but I'm going to mould in my talking points into our reviews as we go, just to sort of make it all flow. So anything that I've sort of got here, um, I may miss one or two things this week. I'm not sure, but I think I'll cover most of it within yeah, the cool. reviews. Let's just talk some footy and so, there we go. Um, you know, whether that be the Tiger situation, coaching, Dragons, Melbourne, Roosters, there's a lot there that I'll just tie into when we talk about the games that happened over the weekend. So, 
Uh, let's kick things straight off, and this is all thanks to bluebet.com.au. If you're going to have a bet with any bookie, do it with bluebet.com.au. Visit the website or download the app today. Big, uh, big couple of weeks for myself with the charity side of things. I've hit three of the last four, picked another one on the weekend. So we're now up to $742.50 for the Bears of Hope. Um, You're on fire, mate. You're just, you're just one of those guys that just, you're just finding a winner. You're on a bit of a hot streak, mate. I am, mate. And I pulled out a nice win for our punters club on the weekend. We had a bit you of did, a, yeah. a cold spell. What was spell. that, 360 or 350 or 360? 360. I tell you what, I wish I would have waited yeah. and sent it to you later because before it jumped, it was at 15s. I was like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's, all, it's, yeah. We, with, the, with our punters club, we always seem to get on when they're shorter and they push out. We never... Or vice versa, we get on, um, or yeah, or we just go and back something else, and not a lot of luck. But you know, it was a good, that was a good result for the punters club for sure. Well, we needed it, and it's pulled me mid table, which is good. So I've got time. If you've got time, you might make the eight. My last year was leading until the end, and you and somebody else ran me down, and I got knocked off the podium. Yeah. This time around, the drums are beating. I'm coming. <laughs> But we'll jump in. Uh, thank you, Bluebet, again for that support. And hopefully, like I said, I want to crack the 1,000 mark. Hopefully, 1,500. It's going to take yeah. a hell of a hot streak. But... Well, we're raising some. Uh, every dollar that we get is going to go to charity. So yeah, that's the most important thing. So thanks to Bluebet again for kicking in and letting you have a throw at the stumps. Oh, yes. And uh, <clears throat> I, I, might, I might take the charity bet off you and um, have a crack on a horse one week maybe. Yeah, we can do that. If we can't find any value, obviously, I'm not allowed to bet on the footy, but yeah, for good, for, for good reason. Well, um, what, one of the weeks I admitted it and I said it to our rep, Simon, shout out to him, who helps us out, that I fucked up over the weekend and missed it because I was busy. Um, so on a Sunday night, I'm pretty sure I texted you as well and said I backed a greyhound that I liked the name of and looked at the form and it was, you know, 90 bucks, 100 bucks in the kitty. I was like, Meh, that makes up for it. Well, that's right. So win. One of the winners. Okay, how the money rolls, rolls in for charity. One of the winners wasn't a game of footy because, uh, yeah, life gets you. So that's right. And sometimes you just forget. That's right. But let's kick things off. We'll jump into these reviews. The first one: Sharks Cowboys. Uh, like I said the other week, and it's no knock on the Sharks, but timing's everything. And this is probably the one thing this time of year. It's got positives. It's got negatives. I love the fact that during Origin you get to see. Some fringe players, you get to see some debutants. Um, on the flip side of that, depending on what your situation your club in, it affects everyone differently. So, um, you know, for me, for the long period of time, Melbourne have obviously navigated it pretty well. But I just think this sort of sometimes can give you a bit of a false dawn. I'm not taking anything away from the Sharks. They're playing good footy. But you got the Cowboys who have run almost bottom of the table last year to this year with six players in game one, three played almost 10 game two, and then the last game with injuries along the way, plus guys in, had six players play in their origin, almost 10 total in squads, and have lost Cotter and Lukey along the way. Um, I think they've done the right thing. They've banked some wins. They rested six or so of their players, and I I think they still put up a hell of a fight against the Sharks. I actually really enjoyed this game, but Cronulla, two weeks in a row, play the two teams in front of them, both origin affected, and, and do what they need to do. They get the wins, and they've put themselves in a hell of a position right now, but... I'm more yeah. intrigued. It wasn't their best performance, though, was it? They were no. They were a little bit clunky. They uh, they got off to a good start and then had a man in the sin bin and yeah, they just made some errors and then gave away penalties and field position 
sort of flipped and they found themselves under some defensive pressure. But, yeah, good enough. I, you know, I think it was pretty close even up until, like, the 60th minute. They scored two or three late to just sort of blow it out, didn't they? Yeah, well, it was that uh, – it was a 12-point swing in that one sort of play, um, you know, where the Cowboys are obviously absorbing there. Um and they save on goal line D, and you know, yeah, uh, I don't know. They just there was that the, the the no try, and then obviously the other way they go end to end, and it just it sort of felt like a shift from that. So um, mm. yeah, that, that that was pretty. I thought the Cowboys the Cowboys were a little bit down, and that was to be expected because they were missing a few, and they yeah coming out of coming out of a period where. You know, they've had some guys in, in, in and out and they're, they're going to lift. They're going to have to lift in this next little little period. It'll actually be interesting to see how they act, they come out of sort of the, particularly last week, but then again, how they get up this week as they head into the finals because they're, they're pretty much cemented now. Like they know they're going to be playing finals footy. They'll want to really ensure they go on with a job and finish top four. And Whether they've got another gear in them or whether we've actually seen their best football, I think that's going to be the challenge for the Cowboys now like you put yourself in a position what are you going to make of it can you can you actually get better can you extend yourself can you turn yourself into a team that can beat Penrith or compete with Penrith late in the year because you know, I think that's going to be the thing for a lot of those teams that are you know really really at the moment from second to six any of those teams could finish top four so the goal there has got to be Twofold. Number one, you need to get yourself in the position to finish top four, give yourself two bites at the cherry. Yep. The other one is you need to work out what your footy team is going to look like in two months' time and how that is going to be able to disarm Penrith and ultimately beat Penrith on one day. Mm. That's the challenge. Because really, otherwise you're just going to you're going to make up the numbers. If you don't, if you're not building a style that can and I'm not saying you need to play that style every week. You certainly don't need to play that style every week. But you need to be building things and having a look at, you know, what what are we going to need to do? What do we need to look like when we run into the Panthers to try and knock them off on, on one of those days where, you know, you're going to run out on the field and you're going to be equal with Penrith because the loser will go home. Everything that's happened earlier in the year is not going to matter. And two teams are going to get that chance this year, you would think. Yeah, I think from this game as well, like I said, for Cronulla, they get the job done. Not their, their flashiest performance, but I, I take more credence into what's coming into this week. They've done what they needed to do in that period. Origin sort of allows you that opportunity after a couple of losses that were probably not expected. They've pushed themselves back into the top four mix, but now they play Penrith this week. They rested all those players. Um, they're they're going to get the best. Yeah, well, the same applies, doesn't it, to Cronulla? Yeah, they're going to get the best version, I think, this week. I wouldn't be surprised if Penrith maybe still were a little flat because those guys have basically had the week off. Definitely, yeah. I think um, it's a fortnight. But you can you can say as much about all we rest of them, but yeah, I think you're going to see a little little dip for probably yeah fortnight to three weeks. Yeah, but just the fact that they're going to be full strength and they didn't back their guys up. Uh, I think yeah, Cronulla this week this would be a real test, and it's and at they, Penrith. And they won as well. Like it's almost it's almost worth saying, boys, don't have another week off. Yeah, well, you could, but like I said, I think, you know, 10 or 11, 10 or 11 day turnaround, <laughs> heading home, um, probably looking to make a statement again off the back of that period. That, that, but for Cronulla, 
yeah, I think the big positive here is they're finding some of their better football again. They're a little bit side to side. I think they've got back to at least establishing the ruck before they start to shift and they're sort of varying how they get from point to point before it was like, all right, those three fullbacks link, they play that wide shape, they're getting tram on the tram line. Now they're sort of compressing and showing a tighter shape and then fanning out a little bit more, at least trying to throw in a bit of difference in the way they move the football. Um, Jesse Ramian, his form again, complete mismatch the other night. Like, yeah, he's, he plays his best footy when he's aggressive. Yeah, and I, I think... Controlled and aggressive. Like, he just runs with hate. Yeah. And he, he's so aggressive and, yeah, good tackle breaker and... I really, really like him. Enjoy watching him as a footballer, but like him as a footballer. Just, yeah, he's... <coughs> particularly with the way he's playing at the moment, it's, um, yeah, really cool to watch. And it's great sides for them because their back five, as we know, <clears throat> is a real pivotal to their set starts, their contribution, their finishing. They create second phase. They, they have so many positives, but Jesse's form, and like, people probably forget how young he is. He come into grade 18, he moved obviously to Newcastle. He's come back. We've seen glimpses of it. I honestly think he's rep standard. I really do. Um, but yeah, the other night, and this is what I've said before about Hamiso. Hamiso has huge moments. He's got heaps of potential. He's only young. But for them, whether he be anything but a fullback, you know, marking up on Jesse Ramey is just a mismatch. They had a completely new edge with the players that they had out for the night. I think it was him, Elliot, and Hampton. But no surprise they got football to Jesse and, um, you know, the way he scored those tries. The Tamalolo no try or that one there, that one's hard for me. Um, like Robson's doing what any coach would want their player to do. He's pushing through. He's there in a position to get the pass. I know he ends up just in front, but honestly, I don't think anyone was going to stop Tamalolo. I know that's not enough to take it away, but <clears throat> as I said before, that was really the, the breaker there. Like The Cowboys were right in it. They were giving the Sharks all they could handle, but that one there goes to a no try and they flip the field and go score at the other end. And I think Todd Payton summed it up well. He didn't make an excuse. He said we shouldn't have conceded on the back of it, but um, yeah, that 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 really hurt. Yeah, it did definitely. But for the Sharks, again, like I said, they've got those two jobs done. The one big thing, and I think it'll be underrated, Sione Katoa. I think is out for the rest of the season. When he scored that try off the scrum, it looks like a torn pec. And again, don't back in the day, you could probably say, "Ah, oh, it's a winger," you know. But you can't undervalue in particular in their setup what their back. Five and in particular their two wingers do. Their two wingers, I think, at the moment would be close to the best duo on the competition in terms of yardage, finishing, and second phase. Mm. They're a very handy pair. Um, but Katoa Absolutely. will be a loss. How they reshuffle. Sifa missed the game the other night. You'd assume he'd come in. They'd probably push Tracy to a wing. He's, he's shown that he can play all those positions. We'll see once we look at the lineups later on. But for the Cowboys in this one... You know, you look at who they're going to bring back in, and it's more like you said, how do they adjust, get these guys back on board with their confidence, and along the way, they'll get Cotter back. They'll hopefully get McLean back. Lukey is the one they won't get back, but they brought Luciano in, so he brings another element with his ball playing and his passing. Is They use him in the middle. They use him off the bench. They play him on the edge. I think there's a little bit more room for growth, and probably the Cowboys are the one I'm really looking at after the experience of Origin to see how they go the back end of the year. Definitely, yeah. But, um, yeah, good win for the Sharks. Massive clash this weekend. Back five was great. Teague, Nico, etc. And for the Cowboys, you know, you can't fault the effort. A lot of guys tried very, very hard. But, um, yeah, rest of those players, put themselves in this position, and we'll see how they go this week. They, they get a much better matchup. They get the Tigers. So I'm sure they're not complaining mm. off the back of Origin to find a bit of form after a disrupted six-week period. Mm. 
Moving on, Eels versus the Warriors. Uh, this is just another one for the power where I'm sort of left underwhelmed. Um, you know, the Warriors... It was, cert- it was a win. That's what you can say. Yeah. About it. The Warriors certainly gave them all they could handle, but it was just those periods again. Like they have all the football earlier. They attacked them. They have patience, and they finally end up getting some points. Uh, they bank again, you know, a bit later on in the half against the run of play, and then it just... Back end of the half, they let that try in, and then they just have that explosion in the second half there where they tear their arms off and go bang, 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 bang. You're like, this is like it. Like, go on with it. And instead, they do the complete opposite. They let the ass fall out of it. They get sloppy. They let a couple of poor tries in on their left edge um, defensively, and you're sort of looking at the back end of it going, this was another opportunity again to beat a side that you should beat convincingly and really put in a great 80 minutes, but instead... You keep opening up the door as to why, again, you may miss the top four. And on top of that, probably the one thing you always look at, you talk about the best teams being top four defensively. They're 10th or 11th defensively. So if they think they're going to win a competition purely off yeah, their I attack. I said that last week. I, mean, I, I honestly think with them, they've just got one eye on the finals. Well, I hope so. But I, I, I completely understand and agree with what you're saying. Before you get there, you need to make sure you're top four. Like really, that's going to be the goal. I, I, I just don't see how they win again without being in the top four. And I know week one that means potentially. No, I, I agree. Penrith at Penrith, I but you've proved you can beat Penrith at Penrith. You've proved you can beat Melbourne in Melbourne or etc. But you, you need the two chances <clears throat> because if they do have an off week, which we, we know they can, I, and I, I just also don't trust them to play four straight weeks. I just don't. <clears throat> um, that's, and, that's fair. And it's all there, though. That's the sad part. Like You look at their lineup when it's there. They've got great middles, good rotation, solid edges. They've got second phase. They can play different ways. When their halves are running, you know, as well as passing, not just moving the football, uh, outside backs, you get, you've get you got Sevo coming back into form. I think Bailey Simonson's done a great job. Penasini's obviously up and coming. Wong is back and playing some good football. Marnie's last roll of the dice before he moves to the Bulldogs in a new project. Papa Lee and that whole situation. Like, this really is for me, like I said at the start, this is the last roll of the dice. There's going to be a lot of change. And they've got the bits and pieces there. Yeah, I think they, they don't need to be worried about that. They just need to be worried about what's next and, how they again, how they put themselves in a position to win it. And first and foremostly, you need to be playing good, consistent football and just ticking off games and putting yourself in a position to be top four. That's, that's going to be the goal. Yeah, uh, and really, they weren't origin affected. No, let's be honest. They, they weren't game one affected at all. I think, if anything, origin has helped Regan Campbell Gillard because I think it's it's going to put a little bit of a bee in his bonnet and make him want to prove a point. And I think it's done wonders for Junior Paul. Though. He was really, really good. I think during origin, apart from game one, like game one, he probably wasn't where he needed to be, but mm. he got better as as the series went on. I think he. He came out on Friday night and he played quite well. So I think Origin's actually done Parramatta a favour. Yeah, Madison's obviously been injured, so he didn't well, get... That, that's the other one as well. Like that, That's also lit a, lit a bit of a bee under his bonnet as well. Yeah, dropped and then been hurt. Um, mm. But yeah, I think there's it's it's all there for them. It's just when they put it together. We've so, Like we said, we've seen it, but I just I think top four they have to aim for it. Yeah, but I, I'm just a little bit sick of having the same conversation about them, that they don't finish games, that they don't... They, they've done that all year, and they're going to continue to do it, I think, until they try and put the big boy pants on come finals time. And it, it, like you say, it's just going to be a challenge to... 
whether they can be consistent and produce their best footy for four weeks in a row. Well, they got a hard run on the way home, so they're going to earn yeah. it, obviously, and it starts this week. They play Brisbane with all their boys back in, basically, and they're directly yeah. in line with each other at this point in time on 11 wins, so somebody's going to move down the pecking order. Melbourne's playing South. There's no guarantee that they win that game. There's a potential by the end of this weekend that they are in the top four. Um, but if they lose and the Rabbitohs do win, etc., and Brisbane move up, they could shuffle all the way down to seventh. Um, so th- this race home, I looked at some of the draws earlier on. For Penrith, uh, for Melbourne, for Para, South, like a lot of these teams actually play majority of the top eight on the, on the way home. So we're going to have something to talk about every week and we're going to have interest and a lot of movement. The only thing that's really guaranteed or bona fide is that the Penrith Panthers are definitely going to be the minor premiers and they're definitely in the top four. Yeah. Everything else is up for play. Top four positions, all three are open. Top eight, no one's safe quite yet. We've definitely eliminated from 12th down. You know, the Dragons this week have to win against the Roosters. The Roosters lost more players. They have to win. Canberra play the Warriors and have a pretty cushy run home. Manly's got a couple of COVID cases and just sit inside on nine. Like, there's a lot of games in the next few weeks. We're going to see constant shuffling of the decks. So it's actually quite good. For the first time in a long time, not to say, all right, the top four is basically done. The top eight's almost done. You know, there's only one spot left. Like, we have movement here in all areas. We could see a completely different top four. We could have a couple of these teams fall out of the top eight. Like, it's yeah, I agree. I think it's it's good how the the top eight's shaken out. It's uh, yeah, there's a lot more interest in what's going on. But yeah, for the Eels, like you said, I think Madison back and just yeah, seen a bit more. But uh, there were some good players on the night. Look, Marnie, Gutson had a good game. Um, the Harbs were okay. D- Dylan, I I'm still sure think... should also be playing some credit to the Warriors. I thought they, they came to play and they were... They certainly put themselves in the contest and they, they came with a mindset to bring the baseball bats and get into it physically with Parramatta, which is something that I certainly didn't expect them to do for as long as they did. And I thought they... they yeah. Like you said earlier, they really... Gave more they could handle, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, and I think summed up their night with their effort and their energy and their intent um, when Montoya got old Gutherson to up and under with the Chucky Chunder. Mm. He, you know, that that's the sort yeah, of I stuff. Like what Gutherson said after the game, too. He's like, mate, yeah, he got me. That's good. He goes, that's, that's what you want your wingers doing. And he got me a rip. I think there should be more of that as well, just acknowledging good play from the opposition. Mm. And he's it was, doing... It was good. He just didn't make an excuse. He just... So, yeah, man, it was a good tackle, and he rung my bell and got me, and it was good. And he's doing what we've talked about all the time. Like, when you're man-on-man on, man on an edge or you're short, etc. like, when, you, when you're in goal-line situation and you look like you're going to get stripped, you just got to go. You go man-on, you well, try... yeah, you just got to... You sort of just... You, yeah, you, you want your defensive edge there to do things together. Yeah, but try and shut it down. Like, if you're four and three... Yeah. Like, you, you certainly just want everyone to fold in and try and <clears throat> shut it down, yeah, yeah, and go to a man. Land on the pass, land on the man. Good. You know, try and force a bad pass, try and create an error, try and create doubt. Not only did he force yeah. a bad pass, but he fucking cracked his opposition. So, it was a tick-tick for Montoya. Yeah, and you also, you want to make your opposition execute as many passes as possible. Because yeah. Because all they have to... Or finish in the corner. A chance there is of, of an error. Yeah, so next time he's thinking, and the other thing is he's thinking next time, that's for sure. Yeah, when a bloke fucking hits you that hard, you throw yeah, up. Of course, he's probably catching it a little bit deeper. Mm. If he's a little bit deeper and wider, then it makes it a little bit easier for your defence to solve. So, yeah, it, it all plays into your own hands when you can 
Yeah, you, you, you can produce those type of defensive plays on a consistent basis for sure. Yeah, so I think um, the the one highlight of the night is just those sort of moments, which is the thing I do enjoy about Para. When they do have the moments of brilliance, they're great. Like the coast to coast play on the kick return where Brown makes the effort to fold back in. Yeah, it's cool. Huh? Like, I, I really, like, I know they love Moses and they're going to try and lock him up. And I do like Moses as a player, but, man, I like Dylan Brown. I really like Dylan Brown. Um, oh, it was just cool to see a team sort of, you know what? We're going we're gonna to pass the footy on kick return. Yeah. We're going to try something different. And they did the smart we're thing. We're going to back our skill. It was, it was really, really cool. I, more of a please. Five or six guys come hard on that open corridor and they've just looked and thought, well, 30, 40 metres of the field there, that line's passive. Like, let's go through and then he, that, that plays into sort of how I like to coach. So, I, you know, of course, I'm going to say that, you know, I, I want teams to pass the ball more, but the proof was in a pudding there. Like, you, you, you catch the ball on kick reception, you go, oh, there's space, there's a man there, and pass it. Yeah. Well, for the Warriors, that's like That's you said, what these players should be doing, hey. Like, that's what we want to see. That's what the fans want to see. Yeah, it's good footy. But for the Warriors, the two front rows, like Harris, since he's been back, Man, I'd, I'd give anything to have him back at Melbourne. I really like Tohu, but him in the yeah, front row. he's a class act. He's been a good pro for his whole career, Tohu Harris. Mate, he was so good in the front row the other night. Though. Him and Fanua Blake. Um, and he's played a test match at 5'8 for New Zealand. And mate, I'm pretty sure they won. He used to play 5'8 in the Zealand. 20s down there. And I used to think, man, this guy's huge. What's he doing? He's putting grubbers yeah. in and ball playing like he's, he's a very well-rounded player from 13 yeah. in the back row. You know, edge, middle. He, he's a quality, quality first grader. Um, and yeah. the sort he's of person. Big loss, for, big loss for the storm. He will be a real beacon, I think, for Webby moving forward. He's the sort of guy you want leading a group. 100%. Um, and I, I, I've seen on the weekend, I don't pay attention to rugby union. we got some Ruggers fans out there, I'm sure. But I think the All Blacks lost the Test Series to Ireland and Sheck got a run. And I know he's gone over there more for the World Cup. I don't know if there's a possibility they'd bring him back afterwards, but... Um, well, I went to the rugby union on Saturday night. I don't know a lot of our fans will be shocked to hear that, but... Uh, I was shocked my, when you told me. Uh, my good mate, Timmy Witt, he... Um, he yeah, he's a member at the um, cricket ground. And I, I, I like... I do like watching Test Rugby Union, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I like watching the Wallabies and I like watching the World Cup and our games against the All Blacks and England in particular. Like, I... I'm, I'm not going to be abashed to say that, like, I like it. It's different. I don't, like, love the game, but I just like, I like those old rivalries. I like Australia, England. I like Australia, New Zealand. And I, I like rugby in small doses. So, uh, yeah, we went out and had a look at the game. And, yeah, it's just it's certainly a different crowd, like a different demographic. Aaron Williams, Scarves. Union, definitely. Um, but but yeah, they had, the, they had the, the All Blacks and Ireland game on before it, which was a, uh, the same as the Australia-England, like it was a three-game series. And they had, um, yeah, I think New Zealand on the first game and then Ireland on the last two, which is exactly what happened um, to the Wallabies, I think. Oh, no, maybe the England on the first game. Yeah, I would never play. I don't know, actually, in the England Wallabies one. But, yeah, well, the two European sides beat Australia and New Zealand on their home turf, which is not easy to do. So, Eddie Jones, confront an old mate. I love that shit. That was great. Yeah, it was good. It was <laughs> good. I, rugby, you know, I think is 
it's now nowhere. It's not even on the same level as league anymore. But let's be honest. Like, there's guys that go over as good, solid NRL players, and they're playing in test matches where they would never play test matches for the Kangaroos. So yeah, well. I, I think rugby union has certainly fallen behind rugby league. You know, whereas you know, in those early two thousands when uh, rugby union took. Uh, Rogers and Sailor and yeah, there was probably a little bit more pulling union then they had a home world cup and a lot of money and they were offering more money than what the rugby league could pay at that point in time but I think that certainly flipped on its head as hard as the quality in the game it's certainly not yeah well it's because their focus area was GPS rugby and a few elite schools rather than investing yeah, in grassroots so and... get into all that but yeah I, I went and had a look and I, like I enjoyed it but yeah, you compare it to sort of Wednesday night, the quality of that Origin game and how how much we pack into a game. That's probably what, when you watch Union, like while the ball's in play, it's like it's good. It's There's a method to what they're trying to do. You can see it, but there's just so many stoppages and so, many, so much time taken off the clock where nothing's actually happening. Whereas in league, we've gone the other way. Like we're packing more into games. You think about when we talk about Origin moments and... You know, all the different things that happened during that Origin game, it was probably three games worth of rugby and impact into one. Yeah. In terms of time, ball and play and things that actually happened. So, yeah, I, I respect the sport. I love the sport. But, I, yeah, it was cool to go and watch. And, um, the Aussies couldn't get the job done. Yeah, well, old yeah, mate. Yeah, Master Sheck did get a run, didn't he, for the... Apparently. I, I didn't watch any of it. But I just got a laugh out of... Old mate, well, they put Sully on for the last three minutes of the yeah. what a waste of time. Smash Alan Isles, yeah. So I don't know why he put someone off for three minutes, but anyway, yeah. if you thought he was going to win you the game, then put him on earlier than that. You're getting paid well because he didn't come back to rugby league, so there's got to be some reason. No, that's right. <laughs> so good on him if he's getting cashed up and doing bugger all. I can't, I can't, uh, I can't hate on it. That's for sure. <laughs> no, it's certainly um, easier on him physically as well when you're playing. Three minutes. Yeah, so. you're not having 20 carries a game. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, but yeah, more like you said, I think what sums everything up, and I loved him. America Corabetti's won like the Australian Player of the Year. Like, you wouldn't find that be dished out in NRL, that's for sure. Mm. But yeah, I just enjoyed old mate trying to call Eddie Jones a traitor, and he almost koala jumped him and shredded his face, and he shit himself. Well, I heard on um, SEN this morning or. That he's actually a, um, he's a Channel, Channel 9 employee. I was <laughs> what a dickhead. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. Have you seen the video? Pardon? Have you seen the video? No, I haven't. No. It's great. He, he barely whimpers at him. He points and he's like, you're a traitor. And Eddie Jones is like, come out of my face. <laughs> and his fucking <laughs> security guard gets in between him and the coach and old mate backed up straight away like, go away. I'm like, you fucking pussy. Yeah. If you're going to get the cans and get your mate to record you and be a dick, be willing to back up your words when someone comes to you and confronts you about it. Yeah. <laughs> and to call him a traitor, he did plenty of good things for Rogue Rogue. Like, Doesn't that just sum up the world at the moment? Like, saying something stupid and having someone film it, that's just... I, like, just, I looked at it and thought, you should be embarrassed. The fact that they got posted... It says or everything about... Yeah. You embarrassed yourself. How we sort of behave, or a lot of people behave, because, you know, that'll get a lot of likes on social media. What? Yeah. I wish the second he certainly Eddie... wouldn't go up to him in a pub and say that or go up to him oh. in a you know in a one on one situation and say that it was just yeah for the camera and for 
the reaction, I suppose. And to be fair, Eddie Jones gave him the reaction he probably wanted. Oh. Or probably not what he was well, expecting. But... Not the way he reacted and what got posted mm. up. He looks like an absolute moron after it. Yeah. He certainly didn't arc up. He backed away straight away. <laughs> yeah. So, good one, Peanut. Yeah. But, uh, finishing, finishing up on this game in Parramatta, getting back to it, uh, the few talking points or something I had there. It was interesting to hear yesterday that, you know, Brad Arthur had to come out and deny any knowledge of his management apparently shopping him around to Sydney clubs, which comes as a surprise considering he's got two years left to run on his deal. Um, and I guess... Yeah, I, I don't know how... I don't know how that happens. Like, it's pretty rogue. I don't know. It seems to me like maybe someone's approached Arthur. Well, I'm sitting there thinking, is he caught wind know. of? Is, yeah, is he caught wind the other way? Be trying to shop him around. Yeah. Well, the only thing I thought is there was some talk that you know the season not going as well, and what happens moving forward? And he's been there for a long time. Do they try to generate some interest the other? Like, there's a lot of ways this could go. But I just found that interesting. He's still got two years to go. The season hasn't. Isn't he on contract? Was he until the end of next year? Is it no, twenty-four. And I was like, okay, yeah, well, okay. So he's got two and a bit years left. Unless you're catching wind of something and your management's trying to put it out there to make it out like others are interested or try and push something, um, I just think even if you're Parramatta and you are thinking about that situation, I, I'm not talking about it or getting anything out there, and I'm not doing anything until the season's over. I don't understand why this has sort of emerged. So I was like, who, who, who wins here? Is this? His management, is, is this him? Is this a club leaking it? And his management's done it on the rogue. Like, I, I just found it very interesting that, that came out. And the timing's not great. <clears throat> uh, the other thing, I guess, the Nathan Brown situation, some murmurs that were getting around that, you know, plenty of clubs are obviously looking at him. He's been linked to the Dragons. He's been linked to the Tigers. He's been linked to everyone here and there. But uh, an interesting one today, from my perspective, was a possible link to finish the season at Melbourne. I don't know how that works because he's... Still got a year to run, and I doubt Melbourne would be willing to accommodate the size of the deal for next year. So whether that's something that gets negotiated with Parramatta, but they were obviously trying to get Sims again. They couldn't get him, but um, Brown linked to them, so I don't know if he's trying to force his way out. I, I guess he would be because he's not getting a run with everyone on board, but he's been linked to a few clubs, so that was an interesting one to hear. Yeah, it certainly is interesting. <clears throat> and I guess... That must have been... Um, there must have been talk. It yeah. doesn't doesn't come from nowhere, does it? No, nah, and the last thing, I guess, for them is the Papali'i situation. <clears throat> I, I think they stuffed up by not signing in the first place, but the talk that he could potentially back out of the Tigers deal, I don't know how that works anymore. The cooling-off period thing was there for this reason. So if you're the Tigers now, regardless of the shitstorm or debacle that's going over on the other side of the fence... Well, didn't they say that he's got a clause in the contract that if Madge isn't coaching, that he can get out? Wasn't that the chat? Oh, I didn't hear anything about a clause. I just heard that, you know, yet he kind of didn't deny it yesterday and just sort of said there's nothing. Well, that's the only way realistically he's getting out. He's not, he's not, he's not getting out unless he's I got just thought, clause in there. Otherwise, what, what, you, if you're the Tigers... Right. You're right. Your first comment is right. You're locked in. Um, <laughs> and even if you're unhappy, then you'd be ringing Paramount up and going, well, what else you got for us? Well, no, you just say you're on your contract, mate. Oh, I get that, but if it... If it's to a point where they're being unbearable about it, well, then you'd be hitting them up the other way, going, "Well, you're going to have to come up with something pretty decent to get him back because you should have signed him in the first place." I saw someone float Nathan Brown, and I thought, if you're the Tigers right now, you don't need, you know, five fifty, six hundred thousand dollars of Nathan Brown. If you're going to do anything along those lines, he's not a back row, first of all. 
So, yeah. you know, you're losing Kelma, you're losing Garner, you, you, then you'd give up Papali. If you were going to do something like that, it'd be like, well, you're paying half the contract and we want somebody else if they were interested. But yeah. everything's in the Tigers' favour because that cooling off period thing was brought in for a reason and this is exactly why it was brought in. Mm. So if he, wanted, if he wasn't sure at the time or wanted to prove a point to Parramatta again, he probably should have held off signing. And I get the thing that we might get injured, this might happen, but... Given his form and the way he's played again this year right now, I, I dare say he would have got more money. Mm. And Parramatta certainly would have come to the party. Well, I still think they stuffed up in the first place, but if he's getting cold feet now, maybe he shouldn't have pulled the trigger so early. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'll be interested how that plays out. So just a few interesting bits around Parramatta. But the Warriors, they'll finish off the year hopefully strong. They've got a few more games at home. Um, I really, really... I'm interested to see the last round because, unfortunately for you, you're the last team to play the Warriors round 25 at Mount Smart. Yeah. So, could get ugly. Well, probably will. But I digress, uh, and we move on. Roosters, Dragons, speaking of ugly, 54-26, 80-plus points leaked in the last two games. Um, And another talking point now about the board meeting, about the whole hook situation, we talked about it again. Why they extended him at the start of the year, it made absolutely no sense. Um, now they're on the hook for cash if they do want to get rid of him. Talk about favouritism towards some of the Brisbane boys. Some people apparently call Maguire the selector because he seems to know more about team selections and what's going on than anyone else before it happens. Um, and then, yeah, just some people confused about methods, not playing those kids and all the things I've brought up a hundred times before about where's the, what's the plan? Where's moving forward? Um, so all that coming out is not great. They've got touched up the last few weeks. They're the second worst defensive team in the competition. And the, the hardest part, I've said this the last few years, they've done bad contracts. So I will give him some credit for trying to patch up a little bit of money ball to work within the situation they've got, but it's got no better. Because, you know, you've got the balance situation. I never figured how somebody who was in the situation he was in, even once he was cleared, gets a pay rise and an extension when he hasn't played footy in two and a half years. Yeah, we've, yeah, we've been yeah. over that, though. So... Uh, they're just... A, they're a mess at the moment. They're, they've got good footy in them, though. Like, they've... I think they could potentially play final footy, but... Yeah, I, I'm not sure whether they... They may have played their best footy already. Well, I just... Now that you're hearing things like this and there's rumours about the coach and there must be un- unrest somewhere within the playing group so yeah, it doesn't come from nowhere that usually spells the uh, yeah spells disaster for your top 8 aspirations that's for sure so the question here again would be it doesn't fall from the sky you're right what, what happens for the back end of the year like they're saying oh well it's only a year you know the payouts figure set it's still half a million dollars not nothing to balk out after COVID mm. especially when clubs lost a lot of money but who are you getting well Funny? The question now is, he's there already internally, and he's the one I still can't believe a lot aren't linked to, and a lot will go back to, again, his past actions. But again, <clears throat> you know, I think he's still the best coach available or one of the best coaches available. Um, the other one would be Dean Young's now gone and served some time externally after being there previously, going up with Peyton and the Cowboys if they wanted to keep it in-house, which they've done previously. Would that be a road they go down again? But I still think that a Flanagan would be... One of the better candidates. Apply for the job when Griffin got it. What's that? I think I'm pretty sure he applied for the job when Griffin got it. Well, they kept they had him as interim on they? as an assistant. Oh, Young was the interim. 
Yeah, sorry. But I think he moved on to get more experience, and I think he spoke to Wayne Bennett in a similar sense once he didn't get the job, um, and he said similar deal, like go go learn a little bit more elsewhere. So he went to yeah. North Queensland with Todd Pate, and that's that's working out pretty well defensively. That's his main priority, and they're doing very well in that area. Duh. Um, but yeah, if I was him, I don't know. I, I'm sure he's passion for the club, and his father was involved in the club. If that's the way they went, he'd certainly be keen for the job, but. I think the situation as stands is probably not the job he'd want to be taken for his first job. It's it's a lot of work. Mm, I think they need fair. somebody who, again, and I've brought it up before, can manage all aspects. And Flanagan had an absolute shitstorm at Cronulla. He basically had to take that from bottom basement and do everything. They need a fair bit of work. Salary cap, roster. Juniors have been producing on one side, not the other, but there needs to be a fair bit of happen there to get that straightened out. It's not it's not a 12-month fix. Well, no, it's not. But this has been the whole thing. They want to stop players on, you know, and have other players contribute. But I think they lost sight of why clubs are getting rid of those players. Well, the other thing as well... Like, because they're probably not paying up to the value that they're, they're paying them, so... Like I said last week. It's a dangerous philosophy to, to go after. And everyone was calling him a genius. Oh, you know, Griffin Ball, that's absolutely genius, you know. Just go and take all these players off other clubs. It's like, well, OK. Well, for a short-term fix under cap pressure, sure. They're not like, letting good players walk out the door. Again, what's your long-term vision? Like, you've got well, to I'm sign... I'm sure that they don't really have one. I think, I think Griffin's trying to develop those younger players in New South Wales Cup but they need to play in a row you know maybe maybe he thinks that they're a chance of um, maybe, yeah, maybe they're a chance of still playing finals so he's going to stand his digs well if I'm a Dragons fan banking the finals and getting beat week one and then having no future because I put no time into those kids or committing to all those guys like he did to a moan regardless of how he's played I would have rather suffered this year and committed to those guys that's my opinion because at some point whether you like it or not much like Brisbane probably went a little bit too far in terms of the balance of veterans and youth a few years ago and you've seen Penrith be able to blood them in along like did that huge batch and it worked out quite well but at some point you have to bite the bullet like I said the other week about Sullivan a lot of people are like oh he didn't play that well I'm like well if you get one or two games playing out of position at hooker and then you get brought in and have to steer the ship after not playing at all this year at half it's not going to happen in one game yeah. It takes time, but you have to commit the time. You have to say what I'm getting at. This is the plan. This is the way forward. We need to do this for 12 or 18 months to get these guys in position. I, I'd want to do it now while Ben Hunt's there because I don't think Ben Hunt's going to be there after this deal. I think Ben Hunt's going to go back to Queensland. Mm. If you don't do it now and they don't have a veteran influence around them or someone who can steer the ship, I think it's going to be even worse. And on top of that, Amon's got an option to leave. He's already been courted by the Dolphins and multiple others. Sloan apparently isn't happy with the fact that every time he gets a game, he gets pushed back out. And the Sullivan thing, there's already been clubs linked to him. So if he chooses to keep going the veteran road with your McCulloch's and other guys in front and pushing those other options and, and holding them back, you know what managers and people like? They're going to agitate and they're going to lose all of them. Yeah, these players also need to play better when they get their options. Oh, 100%. But I think you need more than, you know, one game, you're out. It's like, okay, well... Is, is, yeah, but it's the elite level. Like, you're either up to that level or you're not. There's Woods and all these other guys that he's giving but, games but look, to. Look, I think if in the next... Uh, you know, in the next two or three weeks, if they don't win games and that puts them out of contention, then, 
yeah, it probably is a time to start to give some of those blokes who are younger players in reserve grades some experience in the NRL. Yeah, exactly. Or and all guys that are off contract you're not sure of. Yeah. Like Sims is going. Yeah, I thought look, I thought the Roosters were really, really good. They were potent from an attacking perspective and yeah, they really did a job on the Dragons. It was uh got ugly there. Yeah, well, particularly to the middle third of the field. I thought mm. the amount of one-on-one misses and the way that is poured through there, the simplicity of Manu, who's just an absolute pain in the ass on the edges. But when he plays to the middle, he's even more dangerous because he gets to isolate people. And not only has he got good feet, he's strong and, and he's fast. And the, the pairing of him and Tedesco sort of working together there and Walker plays well off them. Watson, like they, it just seemed that whenever they wanted to break them down, they did it well through the middle third and... Um, they got it a moan a few times, showed his inexperience, exactly what I'm talking about, that learning. They put Crichton on him a couple of times and busted him open. Um, <clears throat> they kicked for Sawali all day and they got paid it at the end. But if you're the Dragons, again, you're more disappointed watching video. Just some of the simple one-on-one misses to the middle. Yeah. Like they really got torched in that area, like nine tries. Two dummy half tries for Marta as well. It's just That's under-12 stuff. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> but... This was also one of the talking points. How it comes at a cost, and obviously the Roosters, lots of players in and out this year. Whether it's concussions, short term, long term, it's like it's been a real mixed bag. Every week they seem to be chopping and changing. Some some weeks less than others, but they've obviously had a long period now without Kiri, Maria Hargraves. They've had a couple guys in Origin. They pushed all in after Origin against Melbourne and didn't win that game. And here again, they back everyone up, and it's resulted in another. Horror day where Satili Tupanua does his ACL. Billy Smith, I think, for the third season in a row, has a season and an injury in his career. Um, you know, this this is a real big moment for him. And whether the club stands by him or what happens from here. And Tokiaho, who you didn't even realise at the time, has fractured his eye socket. So in a game where you sit there going, oh, yeah, next week they'll get two or three guys back, they've lost three bodies. Mm. So, you know, they push themselves into that mix again of the three teams logjam just outside the eight. They've got Newcastle and Manly coming up so they can go bang, bang and pull themselves in. But now you've got to look and go, all right, well, does the Kiri adjustment affect the way they play? Can they still keep Manu on the ball and playing centrally, but just defending at centre? Like, Can they find a way to meld this positive month, I guess, they've had all these last few positive games looking at him playing in the six? Is Kiri's confidence going to be back? Is he going to be a little gun shy? Are they going to be clunky? Can Jared and Lodge now pick up the slack without Tokiaho and can Nat cover the impact of Satili? Like they can patch up pretty well. They've got a pretty good side, but they're also leaving it late. They dropped some results early in the year, like the Bulldogs game or a couple that we didn't expect them to. And they're in a real situation health-wise as well where they're no guarantee to make the eight. That's true, yeah. So I think they're, they're one again that's going to have to win their next couple because I don't think it's an easy run home. Um they're another team, I think, that's playing a few sides that are in that top eight mix, so it's certainly going to be earned if they get there. Exactly right, yeah. But I was impressed with what I saw on the weekend, but just, yeah, if I'm a Roosters fan or I'm Trent Robinson, I'm looking at those positives and then coming out of the game and again going, man, if we have those three guys, like Jared back in, Collins comes back next week, then I've got Lodge, Tokiaho, I've got a four-man rotation. Watson just coming through the middle. A couple of options there. Manu, if Kiri comes back, we, we work ways to get him in. I just, it's up, They're a lot better off looking. Now they're third in their name today. 
and it's a strong 13, but now I'm looking at their bench sort of saying, well, you know, <clears throat> Egan's fresh back off an injury. Terrell Mays, like the only middle he's basically got there. He's got Hutchison, he's got Watson. He'll play Watson as a middle. Hutchison's nine and a half cover, but you're going to have to ask big minutes of Jared, who's just missed a long period of time. You need Lodge to ramp up his minutes straight away. You need more, a lot more from your starting 13, and you can't afford any more ill health. Yeah, that's true. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's only getting harder for them, but we'll see how it works out. But Manu, like I said, he was huge. Uh, Radley's best game for a long time. I know he's had injury and suspensions, but he was really, really good. Angus, like all around, they were good. And Tedesco backing up. But for the Dragons, it's the same old, same old. Benny Hunt was the real positive. Um, they went down early 12-zip and he went bang, bang. Nice try back off his right foot, beating a couple of inside defenders, the 40-20. Um, other than that, you know, just defensively was a nightmare for them. Um, I think Ramsey's made a real fist of his opportunity there, at least effort-wise, at fullback. But, yeah, the, the noise coming out of there, that whole situation, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But, yeah, um, I think what would have come out of today's meeting, I guess, is a similar deal to what I'm saying for Griffin. What, what's your plan? <clears throat> That's right. And, yeah, exactly. And for them, I'd, I'd want to know, like, Part of this is on us because the salary cap stuff or some of these deals were done before you get here. But you talked about development and I did this at Brisbane, I did this at Penrith and we've done a whole bunch of fuck all in terms of development. So are we just going to keep rolling with these veterans and, you know, sort of run ourselves into the ground or at some point we're going to bite the bullet? What's the gap? Yeah. So they need a clear picture and if the picture isn't correct, well then I think again, Flanagan's still there internally. Young's out there that, that they need to come up with a plan and it needs to be a long-term plan, not another stopgap. Yeah. So, interesting times ahead. <clears throat> Manly, Newcastle, 42-12. This seemed like a contest somewhat in the first half, but this is just another one where I look at Newcastle and think, what's going on? They've got players back and the, the performances are still not matching quite where they should have been. Like, Safiti comes back after a sin out. Gagai through the origin period. Ponga had a good game back in. Barney back in. You know, Edric Lee missed some time. Dom missed some time. Milford come into the mix. Braley's back in. And yeah, just like last week, I, I thought, yeah, they're looking like they're getting better on the back end or they'll come up with a decent finish. And this game, you know, conceding 12 line breaks, just getting absolutely gutted twice the amount of offloads. Yeah, 40 missed tackles, 26 ineffective. Like all, all the things that I thought would at least improve and more more quality coming back into your squad, and they seem to just still be going backwards. I I don't know the fix here, and in terms of obviously the, the halfback is an area that needs to be addressed, sure. But they've got quality forwards, they've got some pretty decent players in their roster, but it just doesn't seem to be heading in the right direction. No. Spot on, man. It's, um, yeah, it's a bit of a head scratcher, this one. Yeah. What do you say? Like it's I said, I, I don't like giving too much slack. I, they've had more long-term time, injuries. Time, probably time for a change, isn't it? Well, they thought the same with Brown, and they knifed him pretty quick after he did a lot of the hard yakka. But the, what's... Yeah, what's, it's not so much that. It's just like, I think I said it on last week's show. Like, <clears> it's just the way that... O'Brien's sort of talking and acting. It's, yeah, like I think patience is going to wear pretty thin there fairly quickly. And it's just the, the way that they just concede points. I think defensively they're, yeah, it's, it's really, really concerning. 
Yeah, like I said, and there's some names there that you'd expect. They're, to... seven, they're seven points off the worst defensive record in the competition. Hmm. And well, again, conceded 456 points. The Warriors have conceded 463. They're getting players back, and they're going backwards. Yeah, that, that's my point. And uh, it's concerning. Any chance they sort of had in the Milford Stakes? They offered a couple of years, and things looked okay for a few weeks. They've had a couple of bad losses in a row. Then the Dolphins chucked in a year, and now he's heading out the door as well. So mm. they're back to square one. Um, Clune's not a long-term fix. Clifford started the year outstandingly, had some issues, and is still playing cup, and they've got no halves moving forward. They've invested so heavily in Caelan Ponga. Braley's a great player, but you can't trust him health-wise. And, you know, between the Safidis both now play at Origin, I certainly haven't seen Jacob play like he does for... played in that 30 minutes for New South Wales, like for Newcastle. Daniel's obviously been ill of health, but... You know, like you'd expect more out of it, those guys moving forward. Clemo's had one of his better years, but overall, I'd, yeah. I think Gagai started those first few games well, but he's been pretty quiet. Best can't stay on the field. I, I don't know quite what they can address in the off-season. I, I don't know if there's a lot they can do. Um, yeah. Halves options is always the big one. The only real person out there who they tried for and would have got was Brooks, but the Tigers, who are now trying to get rid of him, wouldn't let him go, so... And if now, if they want to let him go, I'm sure they're going to want them to pay a lot more than what they would at the time. So it's mm. it's bad for both clubs, really. It's, yeah, exactly right. So I, I don't know what the plan is, but on top of that, a couple of young guys that they tried to push through, they had some injuries that they haven't quite worked on. Like Gerard Momosia had some injury issues. He's now moving on to Parramatta. Some, Pasami Solo, I think, played all right the last couple of weeks. He's had opportunities around injury and time. He's not signed yet. I think he might get picked up by somebody else. Like They also haven't really converted some of the work that was done with their junior development. They had some guys that come through that were looking good, but they haven't pushed enough of them through or got them to that next level. So not only are they not doing a good job probably on the recruitment fronts as so much or losing Pierce and the timing was probably horrendous, they've also got a couple of them that they haven't quite got to the point they needed to. Yeah. Um, Barnett will be a loss, I know. He can have his moments at times, but I think at least he's all effort. But, yeah, I don't know what's coming in the door next year. I don't think there's anyone signed, if any. Mm. So I don't see what really changes there, it that's, seems. Yeah, that's a huge concern as well, isn't it? Because mm. off the top of my head, I'm sitting here going, well, I don't, I don't think they've actually signed anyone, and I think people are going out the door. Mm. So if it's already poor and Milford's actually been okay, like I'm not saying he's a long-term fix, but he's better than what they've got. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's not really great you're in that situation again no half <laughs> losing another quality forward and I, I don't really know what you've got to bring in mm. so yeah interesting but Manly I don't want to crush our Manly fans out there but you still haven't beaten anyone in the top 8 or well, actually you have you beat Melbourne but that was on an origin week so and with some injuries and I'm not going to yeah you're a Melbourne home ever uh, Yep, but that's the only team you've beaten in the top eight in that circumstance. So yeah. for me with them, they're in the driver's seat. But again, the draw will sort that out on the run home. They're going to have to win some games. Uh, they've got the Dragons this week. They've got a couple of guys out with COVID. That's still very winnable. Um, but I'm pretty sure they've got a couple of more difficult ones on the way home, which will certainly decide whether they get that top eight position. But I, without Tom, I, I definitely think they're a top eight team. Still, I think they've got the quality there. If you've got Cherry Evans, Foreign, Olaqua to Tapia, Schuster, and the job that Garrick's been doing and some of the kids, I think they're a top eight quality side. I, I definitely don't see them as a premiership threat. But again, 
Uh, you beat the teams under you, that'll, that'll be enough to get you in. That's right. Yeah, so exactly. I'm not taking a shot, but I'm just more pointing out the fact again, they haven't beaten any of those teams in... No, the... it's just levels. There's levels to it at the moment. You, your best player's not playing. Yeah, and like I said, I'm not trying to talk down the Melbourne win, but you didn't play peak Melbourne. No. So... No, I just think anyone you know, who beats Melbourne or Penrith or the Roosters or any of those teams that have been up there, yeah, it's just a good, it's a good feeling. <coughs> mm. uh, I can't get my internet to load right now to show me sort of what their draw would look like, but... Yeah. yeah, I was trying to look at sort of what they had coming, but there was some real positives. I think, you know, Cherry Evans and Foreign really have their hands and everything. I, I don't know if they've made the right decision. I know it's salary cap, but I would have sorted something out. I don't know if it's the right decision to let Foreign go just yet. Um, I like Schuster, but I liked him as a back rower. I like the dynamic that brought to that edge. I know he probably wants to play there, but I don't know. I just have a feeling that it's not the right decision that with him moving on. I think he. Ne- I think Schuster probably needed another twelve months, especially being injured this year and not quite developing um, as much as probably we would have hoped within this twelve months. And for foreign's sake and the form he's in, and probably the pay cut he would have been willing to take if they could have found the room. I, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, They've got dragons, roosters, eels. So yeah, roosters are in contention with them. Eels are Titans. In- sharks. Yep, top eight. Raiders. Fighting for the top eight. Bulldogs. Okay, so they've probably got four winnable games. Yeah, two that you think they would definitely win, and then, yeah, another couple which would be 50-50s. Mm. And the, or, the Raiders game and the Dragons game. And the Roosters yeah, game. Yeah, that, that's right. They're all three of them are directly one behind. Too, really, you beat them, you, you deserve to play finals. Yeah, and if you do, you probably will, because they're the ones directly behind you, you can push Correct. further away. They're so, four point games almost. It's in their hands then. <clears throat> it's definitely Definitely. in their hands. But starts this week against the Dragons. I think Trebojevich was ruled out with COVID. And Andrew... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I saw that. Andrew Davey. You could almost end end the Dragons season by... um, Well, they go two wins clear, so... Yeah, so, yeah, if they they happen... Manly happen to win and go to 22 and Dragons would stay at 18, it'd, it'd put a four-point gap between the Dragons and the top eight with six to play. It's, it'd make it significantly difficult for the Dragons. Mm, and the differential would be 150 or more. Yeah, so, that, that also comes in as well because equal points is then null and void, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Not only have you got to make up the mm. two games, but if you do, your four that's against right. is awful. Yeah, so. <coughs> yeah you're right because, yeah, mainly a positive 32 and the Dragons are... Negative 112, so... Yeah, big big that's difference. Certainly gonna, that's certainly going to play a factor for the Dragons as well. Not only do they have to win, but they need to try and erase as much as that as they possibly can as well. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, this game just got ugly in the second half. They blew into pieces. Olakowatu, physically great. Davey, one of his best days. Garrett, like I said, has really taken the most of this opportunity. And, you know, tap our ally off the bench. Walker's impact... They're back five, playing a bit better. Saab's had a quiet year, but, you know, Cool is getting more confident. He's sort of getting used to those rules now. Saab, you know, he had a field day last year, but the fact that it's no longer Oztag, he's had to adjust to Pilotu. It was just an all-around good team performance. But I think, same deal, I'll judge Manly and their chances of doing anything when they play Cronulla or a couple of these teams on the way home. Because early in the year, I know they were close to the Cowboys and they just 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Boston, they've had a couple of close games against them, but bar the Melbourne one, they haven't beaten anyone in that top eight setup. <clears throat> so that's the difference of where you can get to. Definitely think they can land in the eight. Definitely think they've got the roster to do it without... Tom, but in terms of being a threat, I think if they get in, they they definitely can't win. <clears throat> but Newcastle, similar deal. How much time have you got to talk about them? Um, there's a lot going on, but thought Ponga backed up quite well, but Clune just got absolutely hammered. He had nine misses. They really targeted him. Um, and, yeah, their year after looking like they'd hopefully get some wins, and they definitely missed the finals, but finished the year on a bit of a positive note. The last two weeks haven't played out quite that well, and I'll be interested to see how the last seven weeks plays out. And like you said, the narrative around O'Brien and the club and what, what what's happening moving forward. Yeah, <clears throat> it's year three, I'm pretty sure. So yeah, it's going to be a one to watch if you're, you're a Newcastle fan. Uh, Broncos Titans, yeah. Broncos Titans, uh, a couple of changes in the spine for your mob. Still the same result, unfortunately. They were. Had their chances not right there. What do you think about this? Yeah, tough one. Okay, I would have taken... If you said to me, Brisbane running going to score 16 points, I would have said, well, Titans win. Uh, the Philip Sammy one, yeah, I thought it was the right call. I thought he lost control of the ball. Mind you, I've seen them given. Uh, mm. But the Titans just do a lot of things really poorly and... Brisbane turned up, I think, with the mentality to make it <coughs> slow and messy and to try and grind the Titans out of it. And realistically, that's what they did. The, the Gold Coast just weren't clinical enough with earning field position and enough points down in good areas to post points. And, you know, on the one occasion they had a chance to put themselves ahead late in the game, they, they fumbled that one as well. So... It's a real good example of a team that was just looking and knows how to win in Brisbane and a team that just knows how to find a loss in the Gold Coast. And that, that sometimes happens. We've seen that happen. Really, you see it happen to probably two or three teams every year. There's that, you know, one or two teams that just lose a lot of close games and then there's, there's that one or two teams that, you know, win a whole heap of close games. And it just becomes a bit of a habit and... The Gold Coast, unfortunately, just are in a lot of bad habits on the field with their fundamentals, and that ekes right into their performance and means that you're not winning many games. And, and Brisbane are just playing a lot smarter and a lot more simple. With Reynolds, they're relying on their kicking game and just feel like they're yeah they're using their play as well. And yeah, they're, they're developing developing nicely. The, the Broncos. They're going to obviously have more quality walk through the door next year, so it's only going to help. <clears throat> and they're playing without a few key guys at the moment where the Gold Coast weren't really missing anyone. So, mm. yeah, I think, I think on the plus, um, you know, with Booth and the few small changes they made, I thought they looked 
a little bit better. Um, but just again, opportunities like Brisbane had 57 misses, but on the flip side of that and the effort and the scramble with lesser players and, you know, the Titans been able to punch through them and, and get downfield. They just couldn't bank. Um, you know, and I've said it all year about Sexton, like a lot of people are giving it to him. Like they've really left him in the lurch. Like to take Fogarty away and expect a kid to run a team was always going to be a huge ask. He's had no stability in the partners around him. He's got no quality at nine. You know, he's got the most forced dropouts in the competition. So I think there is some qualities about his game, in particular his short kicking game and the ability to build pressure. But he needs a lot more support than what he's getting. And you can't just throw it all on a, a kid and go, all right, you're going to lead this team around. And, to make, you know, make it happen in one year. It's the point that we've made again about young halves and their unreal expectations. They need time. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not saying he's a world beater, but you can't just say, like a lot of people, ah, sex and this, that. I'm like, man, it's, it's a hard situation to go into. It's a really yeah. hard situation to go into. Um, I think they've had 10 different spine combinations mm. in terms of one, six, seven, and nine. I think he's the only one that's really been steady the whole year. Yeah, he has, man. So it's a very big ask for a kid. In a, you know, in, in unfortunately, again, in what has been a turbulent club with lots of ups and downs and patterns of behaviour and play. It's, it's a difficult situation. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know what the answer is, but they got plenty of metres out of a couple of their key guys. I, I thought Fafita's cousin, I think it is, that debuted on the wing. He did a pretty solid job. Um, but, yeah, Aaron Clark in that sort of Brandon Smith role looked a lot better than when he does playing at nine. I think that just freed him up. And he's nuggety, he's powerful. He can sort of link. I, I think that's a positive. But similar deal for the Titans to finish the year off. I think you just want to see effort um, and you should be testing some stuff out. So they've got to look at Booth. Is he worth upgrading to the top 30? They, they haven't used him. They brought him there from Melbourne and put him in development deal. Who partner Sexton? There was some murmurs about the foreign situation and him similar to Papa Lee trying to backflip, but I don't know how that works because same deal. Cooling off period, big money. Manly does not have the money to match it, so he'd have to be you know trying to push his way out to stay for peanuts again to stay there and how that would affect Schuster and that whole thing. I, I just didn't see how that story would make any sense, but, you know, if it happened, he wouldn't be the first man they have to do it. Well, that's right, yeah. He's packed it on up, hasn't he? He'd carry on a tradition of manly halves backflipping, but I think if you're the Gold Coast, he's exactly the sort of thing that somebody like Toby Sexton needs. Mm. Um, well, and, I, don't even, I don't even understand how he can... Look at backflipping. No, neither can I. Similar deal again. Like, and where, where does it come from? It doesn't sort of fall from the clouds again. It's, no. I'm not sure why he's thinking about packing them up. And don't, again, yeah, don't... I agree. It's certainly what um, Sexton needs, definitely. Mm. Um, and then I guess for them for the rest of the year, I think Sullivan, oh, sorry, not Sullivan, Campbell's supposed to be back this week. They need to figure out mm. what they're doing. Between him and Brimson, I still think Brimson looks better and more free when he plays one, but I also think Jaden looks outstanding at one. So, yeah. you know, they both can't play that position. Well, what, what fits the mix of your side? And could you put someone else any, anywhere else? Like, you look at someone like Campbell, like from one where he can pick his moments and float, and he certainly doesn't care about the physical side of things. He throws himself in. I couldn't see him playing on a wing or somewhere else. I think for yardage-wise, you'd be able to pick him off a little bit too easy, and he wouldn't have the freedom to do what he wants. Brimson at six at times looks like he thinks too much rather than just runs. He looks better when he just runs, which one allows him to do it, simplifies his job. But two doesn't go into one. So I think for them, that and anyone else, they've got the squad like Sasefa Fafida. If they've got people that they want to test out for the back end of the year, that that, that should be the priority. Agree, yeah, agree. 
Um, but for Brisbane, again, huge win and confidence in your depth. You get a lot of guys missing, come in and do a job. Hosking's been huge the last two weeks. Great debut and another great game the other night. Um, Tessie knew, I know that there's some small moments there, but there's also enough where you see some quality. Reynolds kicked very well again. Um, overall, yeah, that, they'd be stoked again that all those guys that come and did, did a great job. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and two Except tough wins. That were difficult to get away from home. Yeah. Up. Yeah, take them and run. And two tough wins in a row, much like the Cowboys, Jags, and ones mm. uh, in similar circumstances. They got the tough one last week against Dragons, missing only Hunt, who's obviously big for them, but they had an NRL loaded side. And then they roll into this week, rest those guys, and get another win. So two big wins for Brisbane. Huge. They probably would have been so just to get one of them. 100%. Um, Again, big game this weekend for them. But we move on. Panthers-Tigers, and there's a bit linked to this one, but um, I think I'd probably first start, like, come all these comments at the end of the game, and then he tried to backtrack and almost thought, like, oh, I'm just like, it hasn't been a good month for you, mate. Um, Hasn't been a good month at all. But I don't know how it's disrespectful of Penrith to make the tactical choice through guys who have played an Origin Series and a lot of football in the last couple of years to be rested. Like, I don't know how that's disrespectful. Yeah, don't, don't even talk about your opposition. Like, you don't need to. Don't talk to them. No. I just... Talk about them. I, you were never... It was just something that I think slid out and... Well, he tried to backtrack on it pretty quick. It was never going to be... It's never going to end well because they, yeah, they got run over and then he was late a... by... Said it was a story and coaches are storytellers and you have to find something to get your players up. I'm like, well, their first grader is playing against a team and a club that they have a lot of hate for given the coach left. They're first grade footballers, so they shouldn't need a whole lot of motivation week to week, which is another reason why the club's in the situation it's in. And you of all people who's an interim coming out and saying it's disrespectful for a club to roster manage fatigue during an origin period where 21 total played in rep round and seven played in state of origin just you know you're at complete polar ends of the spectrum for a reason you're last and you're an interim and they've lost one game and you still couldn't beat them mm, so I don't know sure. where, I don't know where the disrespect is you didn't win no um, and respect is earned as well so obviously if they thought you know we need to win or it's an important game or whatever you know but they looked at it. They're thinking about the long-term future. They're thinking about finals and potentially winning premierships and what's best for their side. So I'd be more worried about what's going on in your own backyard. But, yeah, it was an awkward press conference. I saw it in full today. And, yeah, he tried to back out of it pretty quickly. And don't use that in the media. And I know you will. And I was like, oh, my God. You've put your foot in it now. Yeah. But if you don't want to, if you don't want to use it in the media, don't say it. Don't say it. Yeah. He, he, media conference. He it pretty quickly. Poor old Noddy. It hasn't been a great month. Um. But, yeah, it was there for the taking. Um, they were they had a couple of laid outs on an offer and that pulled out. But, you know, you're not going to get Penrith at a bit of time. It was back and forth. I think Penrith went behind twice. But it was just, again, some of the quality players that were there made a deal. Like, kick arms development this year. And, again, I've said it before. We'll, mm, we'll, he's a leader, isn't he? We'll see if he carries this through with him to the Bulldogs. But it's all the little things that we've talked about that weren't there before. Consistency effort, he's combining his skill, his power, his physicality, and he's just doing all that little shit. Like he's doing the defensive clean up work he was and he's kick pressuring, he's kick chasing, the the touch from the O'Sullivan thing where he sockers it through and picks it up himself, the hands on the left edge to Tago. 
if I'm the Bulldogs right now, again, that, that price tag is huge, but I'm hoping that he's bringing that sort of intent and energy to that environment because it's going to be a very different environment to Penrith. So that's where I'm more interested to see if it transitions. Um, but he's certainly making the best of the situation while it lasts at Penrith and looks like he's keen to go out with another premiership. But, um, yeah, I thought the players such as himself, Dylan Edwards uh, and Fisher-Harris were the difference on the day, as you'd expect them to be with all those young guys in. <clears throat> Well, yeah, that's right. Mm. Yeah. And Fisher-Harris, 100. Just, well, yeah, yeah. Mm. They're, they're, they're sort of battling a bit of a tightrope at the moment, aren't they? Like, do you stick with what hasn't worked all year or do you blood some of these young players? And they're certainly out of finals contention, so mm. I think they're going down the path that is the, smart, the smarter path and certainly the path that's going to help them in, mm. into the future by giving some of these guys some NRL time and it's you know it certainly doesn't help you on the scoreboard but the scoreboard the, the scoreboard being the number one thing has, has gone past their season so yeah they need to look at how they make their team better next year really don't they the Tigers have obviously like I said caution the wind here Blood in anyone. Matamu had another game. Uh, Polo's got another game. Dias, I wouldn't be surprised if they pushed Tumatha. Any, anyone you've got there, again, um, get a look at them. Anyone who's off contract, you're not sure of, give them some games. Anyone who's leaving, again, Ghana, Tulagi, I'd, I'd be pushing anyone out with anyone else I've got available. Just have a look. But I guess the bigger news, if we leave the game behind for a moment and the disappointment, uh, you know, the Hastings to 13, I thought he was okay. Dewey looked a little bit more comfortable, scored triads some moments. Do they finish off the rest of the year like that? I don't know. I think the biggest thing for me now that they know what they're doing with their coaching situation before we move on to that is I'd want to make a decision now. Are we keeping Luke Brooks or are we not? If they're in with Luke Brooks and they're going to push forward with this and Hastings to 13, fine. If they're now set between Sheens, Benji, Robbie, that we don't want Brooks here or Brooks isn't the long-term seven, Put Hastings and Dewey in the halves and move on from Brooks for the rest of the year. Yeah, agree. That's another one I'll look at and go... Give your clubs some clarity. Everyone needs clear direction. Just fucking sort it out already. If they're talking about Little being shopped around again and he was linked to the Titans and a few other clubs, like if that's not part of your plans, same deal. Get him out of your side. Anyone who's not part of your plans... not No more games. Done. But that's probably the big thing and another talking point I'd linked at the top. If we did do a set of six... The Tigers situation and how that's now all sort of unfolded was Sheens is back in. He's the jam of football. He's going to tighten up things, oversee everything. I think he did some positive things straight away in terms of pathways, locking up guys like Yamada Moors and these guys that weren't locked up previously, which was crazy and dumbfounding to me. I have no doubt he'll do good work in that space. Um, but obviously oversaw the match situation, decided that wasn't the way to go. Then they've gone for Seraldo and they're out in the hunt and they said that was the case. He publicly said he wasn't going to coach and then it's appealed now from their one of their CEOs or one of the blokes on the board, Hadja Pantelis, who works for Brydens, basically that if they weren't getting one of their better candidates, the idea from Shane's was possibly that he feels back in and Benji's on board and that was partly his idea as well and he'd coach him up and Robbie's part of it as well and this whole idea is now in motion that he is back in control. He's going to coach for the next two years and Benji Marshall signed for the next 
five seasons, two as an assistant, three as an NRL coach. So from from some perspective, I can sort of sit here and think, okay, they want to get off the coaching carousel. They don't want to keep hiring this, that, and the other, and they're reaching back to the past and some of their present and probably the three most important pieces of West Tigers history in terms of probably their two best players and their most successful coach. But is it the right move long-term? It's almost like things have just gone full circle. I don't know if it's the right move, but I, I know one thing. They've at least looked like they're going to commit to something long-term. Well, they're disrespecting the art of coaching because hmm. he hasn't done an apprenticeship at all. No. You know, running a few drills at a junior rep session isn't isn't full time coaching. So no, the proof will remain in the pudding on that one, and a lot of that's going to have to do with uh, you know the amount of juniors that they can get through and blood them during that time or prior to that time to set him up for some success. And this is just that can is Sheen still up to standard with what was going on after time in the Super League where he coached then moved into more of a GM role as in terms of the Super League to the NRL. It's quite yeah. different. He's very good. He's a skills-based coach. He was more... Probably what he was doing in 05 translates a lot better now than what it did at that time in terms of trend and where they're going with junior football, which is all well and good. But in terms of roster management, the other moves they make outside the cap, are they just going to cull everyone, only pick up some bargains and really rely on getting everything through the system? Are they going to be able to attract people? Like, mm. I know they've talked about Robbie and Benji, you know, he can ring Papa Lee because he's a fellow Kiwi or he might ring up Sheck as well when he's done. I'm like, well, just because you played with someone doesn't mean they're going to commit to you as a coach. Like you, like you just said, you haven't coached. Well, that's, yeah, that's so, the biggest thing. You know. Well, he's coached, but he hasn't been head coach. No, I know he said, yeah, like I've done this. And it's like the... Junior football and doing a session here or there, and that's the other point I was going to make. His lifestyle right now, as to what it will be with coaching, he won't be able to be on Benji and on the radio and on Fox all the time. An assistant coach is going to be doing as much and involved in everything as a head coach, not in terms of the bigger picture, but you have to be there for everything. It's a full time. It's a full time job. It's not a two day or three day a week. He'll be yeah, in charge of the attack on every session, every day. It's video after every session. It's- yeah. Review, Talking managers and reviewing and traveling. Yeah, there's a whole lot that goes into it. And because you'll be working with Tim, like I said, I'm assuming even more so he'll need to be more hands on. He'll need to be in his back pocket. Well, that's right. So the commitment, the proof will be in the pudding. Like he'll have to give up all the other stuff he's doing. And I, I know he can go back to that like, later I like on. The, I like the two year apprenticeship. I don't, I don't mind that. Mm. But that's not head coaching either. No. And, yeah, my concern is that if it goes pear-shaped, how long do they stay in their dig? We've just seen that a lot of these clubs that get nailed and have to bring someone else in, they, yeah, they're just, they're not giving themselves the best chance to prepare the, prepare the coach, really. No, and... Also, I wonder, pre this, is in... I think his best preparation would be to be a head coach in some capacity, whether that be at New South Wales Cup level or... Yeah. And then maybe do the stuff with Sheens on the side. And then build up. a little bit disrespectful to the guys that are out there doing it. Not so much to, you know, someone like myself, but you you sort of go, well, there's guys that have been at it for, you know, decades who have done the apprenticeship, so but probably don't get the headlines that someone like a Marshall does. So, you know, what value do you place on an ex-player 
as opposed to someone who is, you know, experienced and has coached at different levels and understands development and understands, you know, how to build a game plan, how to develop first graders, how to, you know, do all these different things that you need your NRL coach to be able to do. It's not so much just coaching the team. There's a whole heap more that goes into it that, you know, Benji's going to find that out in the next two years and then we're going to find out and see whether he can manage all that in 23. And it's probably the other parts that you've just said. Like, he's talked, you know, this week. Sorry, 20, 23, 25. I've coached more the last five or six years, you know, than yeah, I've played. Coached drills. Yeah, than I've played, like working with Ilias or Harv. He's coached the team. And I know, you know, the short time with the couple of stints with Wayne, he's talking a lot of Wayneisms, you know, the personality and delving into the play. But again, it's very different to say that when you haven't done it in terms of the pressure, like you're saying, of... 30 players, the kids coming up, and then probably the bigger picture part that I'm thinking you don't get without having boots on the ground is after these two years when Sheens is gone, who's going to be the GM or on the football side of things? Because he's going to need someone there. Because there's no way... Sheens would just slot back into that role, yeah? Well, that's the thing. At what what point is he past it or a bit too old? Or like, you know, he's going to need help with roster management, recruitment, retention, management. Like, once you take over, like you said... When you're at the top, it's all the other stuff. It's t- probably 10% coaching and 90% management of my assistants and this manager's rang and do this part for the football department and this guy's unhappy. And like, there's a lot more to it than just, oh, yeah, I'm good at having a relationship and I can coach yeah. this and I know how to attack. Like, th- there's all the other external bullshit. You're not going to be able to hide away from that when Sheens is gone or moved on. And same with Robbie Farrell. Like, Robbie Farrell's been there for a little bit now in different roles, but it's going to be a hell of a process in these two years and then how they set it up moving forward. So I'm interested. I'm very interested to see how it plays out. I, I can see both sides of it. But I, I guess the only thing I see here is potentially this might be one of the first times they don't burn something to the ground because they're internals. Or well, they are West's Tigers people. Anyone that seems to have well, come... they've punted them both, though. And yeah, exactly. But it seems like Sheen's... Is, players... Sheens has almost come back room with an iron fist that started that I'm just here to do this and now he's back in charge of the whole club basically. Mm. So it's funny, like you said, full circle that the the original premiership winning coach and the guy that established everything's back and um, the two players that were really leading that with him are potentially going to take over. So um, yeah, they've decided to get off the external route of uh, coaches that had a a rough trot, but I still think there's other things there that need to change, not just that situation. I still think there's some other spots in the club, and particularly on the board, that could do with some work. But um, for West Tigers fans, I, I hope it does work because it's been a, a real rough decade. A long, dry spell. And, you know, they're, they're starting to do some positive things at the junior level, but, yeah, let's see if they can bring them through. Let's see if this process with Sheens can work out. Let's see if... Uh, two former greats who have a lot of skin in the game and genuinely at least love the club can, you know, do the job. But, yeah, it's, a, it's yeah, certainly a different approach. <clears throat> yeah, it's certainly a different approach, that's for sure. Mm. But, again, I guess when you've been, you know, finals free for 10 years and in a bit of a messy situation without trying to look for the quick fix, uh, they're clearly committing to West's Tigers people, the club and a long-term vision, a long-term plan with development mainly and then trying to add around it. So we'll see what happens moving forward. Justin will be the start of that along with Funua and then probably Tumath and a couple other guys. And then in 
three years, I bet they'll be hoping that this uh, Matt's group that just won a bunch of 17-year-olds push through and, you know, yeah. mixing that around with some of what they've got. We're going to get a handful, if that. It's, it's a long time away, so we're, we're not going to see the result, like you said, for a couple of years. No, that's right. But, yeah, very interesting week. Uh, on the front of the West Tigers, and, and certainly never many dull moments, but, yeah, that game, um, they had their moments, but, again... The veterans for Penrith were really the difference and probably all summed up in the way that last try came about. The fact that Fisher-Harris crashed between, you know, those A and B defenders right under the sticks. And I think it was play five. Like, I know they got busted the play before from Sorensen on a bit of a run, but, man, if, if, if you're on that spot and you've been leading all game, like, you just tighten up there. You make them pass to the outside. You work hard. And you've got to do something. Yeah. yeah that, a front, crash plays like that. Yeah, a front row crashing over with three or four to go after mm. in those circumstances is probably just sums up again the Tigers season so far. Yeah, it does. But Fisher Harris, 150 games for Penrith. What a player he's been. Um, he's an animal, just an absolute animal, fantastic player. Like I said, Kikau, him, Edwards really led the way for those guys. And uh, probably the crazier part for me, they still were dominant in a lot of areas, whether it be meters, line breaks, etc. Um, compared to the Tigers and yeah for them I guess like we said persist for the rest of the year if your long term future still involves Brooks and Hastings at 13 but if, if they're going to move off the Brooks trainer they know what they're doing internally I just had them out of the side forget all the in you know the, the paper and that do what Sheens did when he jumped on the front foot when he fired match just address it and say we're done that's it but yeah get some clarity on what you're doing <laughs> moving on from that one Raiders Storm. Storm started fast. Um, Pappenhausen, the, the pass, ordinary, that could have been a try. Should have probably dropped it inside. The, it fired a warning shot, but didn't take long after to strike through Kenny. And, you know, Harry was probing early. Hughes was busy. Munster looked like he'd come back with a bit of a point to prove. But uh, Pappenhausen, again, another wild pass. And Chris goes the other way. And all that hard work was undone pretty early to go 6 all, And not long after... It was sort of the beginning of uh, a bit of the downfall again. Shattered his kneecap or his patella, so he's now out for the rest of the season. And off the back of that, Canberra take a penalty goal and start to loosen up a little bit and have a bit of a mark on the game. And, and, you know, it was a real back and forth and no surprises at always between these two teams. Plenty of feeling. There was a couple of brouhaha's, Tui and Hudson, and a couple of push and shoves. uh, Yeah, it was a real back and forth, pretty enjoyable game, but... In the end, that that try at the end from Schiller and the way he got himself back in field, that was outstanding. Sorry, I just got out a little bit then. Oh, I was just saying, it was a real back and forth. It was a typical fiery clash between these two teams. And, um, oh, the, the, the type of footy that they produce, these two teams, particularly down in Melbourne, it's always exciting, it's always tough, it's always gritty. And they delivered again. Melbourne, I thought, were... Yeah, certainly gritty and in the match, but Canberra were just uh, not, yeah, maybe a little bit more desperate, but just seemed like they came with a plan and a way to go about it, and, and they managed to, to get out of Melbourne with another win at Amy Park, which is coming quite strange that they've got such a good record down there. Well, it's another one of the Raiders where so you they, go. They've won their last four matches down there. You can't beat the Dragons, but you can roll Melbourne. Yeah, strange. Their year's sort of been 
just like that. And they're another one you look at and you could look back at so many results and go, this is why you're not playing finals. Um, they're still on the hunt, but yeah. I think they certainly come with a point to prove. They always get narky with Melbourne. Like there was plenty of feeling. Um, Jack was getting yeah. stuck in. Rapano was getting stuck in. Hudson Young, as usual. Tarpany was great again. Uh, you know, Savage for his couple of errors. You certainly can't say he doesn't provide entertainment. He had a try save. Involved in a couple of nice moments. And the Schiller finish, you didn't hear me that when you cut out before. The Schiller try to finish it off was outstanding. Yeah, that was really, really nice footy down in that right corner. That was quality football. Um, but yeah, for Melbourne, like you said, they, they lose Papenhaus and they still had enough quality there. I know there's still some guys there that obviously uh, leave them a bit exposed, but I think probably the bigger concerns just overall, your edges get exposed generally for what happens in your middle. They're a bit inconsistent in the middle at the moment. Again, I think Welch is very, very much missed and Brandon being suspended hurts because they use him as that extra middle and at the moment I think they need somebody along that line without him there because Nelson does a lot of damage in his short stint but doesn't probably play the minutes you need. Tui can be hot and cold in terms of minutes and Jesse punches out big minutes but he's not as effective as what he used to be. It's sort of an area there um, where you can probably get at them a little bit at the moment um, plus the edges and I guess with Pappenhausen it takes away sort of that theory like I was talking about of getting him back, getting Meany, getting Coates and patching up most holes probably bar Seve or if Warbrick gets healthy and they finally get him a run and try and reshuffle it or Howth who's been injured like that they have to do something about their edges but yeah at the moment as of today I think there's 11 on the top 30 now that aren't available a couple will be back in the next couple of weeks um, but in terms of their top 30 yeah there's a, there's a fair few guys and obviously we already know like you said Remus are now added to that list Pappenhausen Liero's back injury is now indefinite. Coates, they've said today, is round 22, so he's a month away. And Smith is still, you know, a couple of weeks away as well. So in the near future... Not full strength, but no. they're in a period where they need to consolidate and try and hang on to that top four position. And they've still got enough quality, so they have to make do, because mm. otherwise That's they're right. going to end up in the bottom half of the eight and it's going to be a hell of a task. Yeah. Uh, I, I certainly don't think... You can write them off, but I, like I said before, I definitely don't think they're the premiership threat they were um, with all those players in. Well, no, that's, yeah, exactly. And the option here, and we spoke about this before, I talked on the phone today, I had somebody ask me, would you move Munster back to fullback? And as much as I think at fullback he's just free to do what he wants, you would say he's close to the best six or one of the best sixes in the competition. And if you move him there, what's your replacement? And their halves options... I know a lot of people threw up, like, Pezzard again. Like, you bring up a 19-year-old who's played no first grade yet. I know he's good in that 19s game, but it's a big ask. Cooper has pretty much proved that he's a backup more than anything. We sharp they've used in a lot of spots. Could you adjust something there? But would you take away from a strength, you know, to patch up somewhere else if you don't have someone as good? I think Meany does a very, very good job at fullback and showed he can do a quality job there. So I think that's your best option than leaving Munster and Hughes in the halves along with Harry and getting cheese back but I think your biggest thing is if when Howarth is healthy hopefully in the next week or two and Warbrick I think they have to look at their edges I, yeah, I st- still can't see a world with Seve playing you know final football for the Storm um, you know you've got Olam you know you're going to get Coates back and you need to figure out those other two spots so um, they've tried to get Warbrick in as I've said a few times and he's come up with an injury they definitely have to get him in the mix somehow. 
Um, and the other one's Howth. Howth plays more back row, but he has played some center. I don't know if they'd even consider it because he's a bit younger physically, if that's better for him, he's had some injury trouble. But yeah, they certainly would be looking at those edge spots more particular. And a guy like the arrow, why certainly not a big name, I thought was doing a really good job in that middle rotation. They could certainly do us some help in that rotation right now also. Of course, yeah. So, like an experience and quality. Yeah, five or six bodies to come back probably in the next four weeks. Um, but yeah, some big names missing. And I think now they're probably... Move down the pecking order for me. I'd probably put the Cowboys at best form and the Sharks, if they're healthy, above Melbourne. I think Melbourne are probably moving more down to the four and five spot now. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, it's a big ask. So for Canberra, like I said, these, these sort of games are the ones you look at and go, man, if you just won some of the ones you should have won, you, you wouldn't be worried about trying to slide your way in. But their draw, I know we don't like relying on the draw, but I think they've got the Tigers oh, maybe. You do. Yeah, I think they've maybe got the Tigers twice, the Titans the Warriors, so their, their draw is pretty friendly on the way home, but again, they, they've lost some of these games before, so I, yeah. Don't know if I could trust them completely, but um, under tough circumstances, they went down there and they got the job done. And a couple of late outs, they rolled in Elliot to a different spot. Harry Wiranara hasn't played first grade in a while. He come in, Schiller on the late call, it was outstanding. Um, Tarpany, like I said. Yeah, Canberra, one of those teams. Um, Mm, big win for the Raiders. Huge win, and you know, like I said, that's this thing that frustrates you. Cause on, on their on their best day, they're a really good football side. Um, yeah. But let's see if Jack and Fogarty can steer this team on a bit of a run home and find their way into the into the eight. <laughs> yeah. But for Melbourne, um, yeah, I wouldn't be certainly not writing them off out of the eight like some people are on the downfall of a supposed. You know the team. I don't say you could call that situation, but yeah, I certainly think the premiership. Well, happens. Yeah, the premiership side of things has certainly gone well, well and truly out of the yeah, picture. At this, at this stage, it looks unlikely, but you just don't know what's going to happen in the next month. Yeah, see what shapes you with who comes back and what they can do. Um, we don't need to write anyone off and talk negatively about anyone. Let's just see what what happens. And the last one, South against the Dogs. I actually thought it was just really entertaining. Was um, entertaining. 36-28, uh, I guess if you're south, you're not happy with the defense. But again, plenty of feeling. And the doggies just look so much freer, so much happier, playing a better brand of football. Um, you know, Avarillo at one, Tick, Caraz on the wing has been a tick. Vitala Mariner back and healthy. You're so happy for him after it looked like his career over. Um, and Marshall King again. I, I still am adamant that that's a missed opportunity by a couple of clubs to upgrade in that position or that Penrith situation I talked about where they're saying the Dolphins maybe got him for only 250, 300, but they're not being able to afford RP. I think they're not the same player, but I just think nine's a position there's, there's a clear lack of, and I think he's really underrated. I think that would have been someone nice to sort of slot in there, but um, he's heading to the Dolphins. I thought he was really, really good again, but I think the difference here, and it's been the same thing the last few weeks, Latrell's slowly built up and up and up, but he certainly had his biggest... Good biggest. timing for the big man to come back in. Oh, yeah. Game three, this was his biggest impact. He was a real X factor in this game. Yeah. But he was, uh, yeah, he, was, well, he wasn't everywhere, but every touch he had had some quality on it. Yeah, and big moments. Um, and it's the same thing that was said again, and I sort of said earlier in the year when they were a bit clunky. I think he's a huge piece missing, and you can't say he does not have an impact on all those players, and in particular Cody Walker. He has a huge impact on Cody Walker because, again, when he's at the back and he's, yeah, and he's the one sweeping around and on the edge of the shapes, he's a running threat. He's a ball-playing threat. People get nervous. It's Ilias' best couple of games as well. He's 
had more time and space and been able to dictate and steer and kick and uh, you know they rested Cook Murray had the head knock I think Arrow played so they got a couple other guys to come back in the mix I think they've sort of maybe found you know who their backline options need to be Tars has done a pretty good job after they've sort of worked through some dip- different options there Paulo's been better on the wing Milne could fill in and play off the bench or play multiple spots and Totola didn't have the greatest start of the year, but he's been great the last few weeks. Tommy's been punching out some minutes. So, you know, they're really, again, after a bit of a rough trot there with injuries and availabilities in their spine and where they were going, plus the origin period, they're looking on the up and three wins in a row heading to Melbourne this week. I honestly think, you know, I'd have them as favourites. Yeah, I'd probably have it even almost a pick him game this one. But it's a big game because, you know, their, their run home, again, draw-wise, I know we don't want to talk about it. their draw is hard on the run home, but I can see them jagging a couple of these results with the way they're building. Mm. Um, and if they, you know, find their way in to the finals, I think a bit similar to last year, I didn't really think they'd get to the grand final. I'm not willing to go that far, but honestly, best form. And if Latrell keeps growing a leg and Cody keeps getting back to his best form and a couple of these guys find their way, like... I don't see why anyone probably from second down to six couldn't find themselves in that other spot in the GF. Of course. Um, yeah, especially with the way they're building. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one because for a bit there, I was just like, like I hope, I thought it was the troll thing. I thought it would make a lot of difference. I didn't know how much of a difference, but yeah, it's, it's certainly showing. Mm. But yeah, the Bulldog side of things, same deal again. Take nothing away from them. Been very, very good. Under Mick. Well, they led with what, 15 to go? 20, 15, 20 to go? Yeah, they actually said. scored and led. So, yeah, again, they're competing and they're scoring points. I think Mick certainly made some adjustments to their attack. Yeah, definitely. Probably could screw it. They definitely need to um, tackle better and yeah. try and prevent the opposition from scoring that many points. But uh, they're, they're quality, so, so they're no mugs. And even Flanagan, like I know it hasn't been the greatest year, but I think slowly but surely he's had some better moments and finding a little more confidence under Mick. He had a hand in a couple of trials on the weekend. That that absolutely really yeah. nice team try where my man He's a good support player, isn't he, Flanagan? <clears throat> a lot of those little things in his game that probably get overlooked. Yeah. And my man got off the nudie run. He used to be a try scoring machine. But he missed out last year. And he suddenly emerged in the picture. I happily texted him the other night saying, fucking hell, you put on the turbos once an opportunity to crash over came about. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, they, like I said, certainly found some joy in their football and they're all having a red-hot crack. And this is another situation that's interesting. Like, I know Gus is flat bat and everything and not mention anything, but at the same time, everything seems to leak. So, you know, and half the time he denies something, it's true, but... They're talking about Serraldo potentially going there, but not until 24. So that would mean... For 12 months, someone needs to do the job. Honestly, if they want to continue to work on the roster and make adjustments and just let somebody, you know, do a job and go about their business without any fuss, I, I wouldn't see a negative in having Mick there for 12 more months. No, it's just dangerous having a stopgap, isn't it? Yeah, and what you do with it. What does that say to the players? What does that say to performance? What does that say to your long-term plan? It's a difficult spot as a coach as well because you go, well, I'm here for a year and that's it. Yeah. Mm. And I, I think for them, they're probably only look, I think you can only do it in a situation like they have where they have so many people off contract and people coming in and they're going to be turning over extra players again, but will it have the same impact next year once these guys who you've bonded with 
half have moved on and three or four new guys come in and, you know, more are heading out the door. It's, I think if you're going to make that move, Seraldo, if he does take that job, has to take it next year. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, and, and or they need to make a commitment to Mick or somebody else properly, not with a, we're going to do this for 12. I, yeah, I think similar to you, it's a bit iffy and it could be a dangerous situation. Well, yeah, he's a, spot on. But uh, in terms of the talking points I had, we did the Storm situation, Dragons, Tigers, and their setup. This is, might be the longest review we've ever done in the history of the show. No, nah, we've dropped in all those set of six points as well. That's what we're doing. Mm. Um, I know, mate. I know. That's what we've done it for, mate. It's all been meshed into one. But, uh, yeah. I think I've hit all the points <clears throat> that I had here as well. Uh, I think the only thing I didn't have when we had the Roosters one was about Radley playing for England after being in the, the mm. squads for Origin the other week. I thought that was a bit interesting. Strange. Um, but I understand it. If he wants to play rep footy, then... Yeah, that's all I thought. Like, But the thing I thought, is he, he's been close. Two times he got suspended on his own account that he was probably going to get picked. Well, we don't know whether anyone's had that conversation with him. So that's what I was wondering, because I heard an interview today when I was driving home, him saying he spoke to Freddie and he spoke to a few people. So I'm like, well... Unless he's giving him the heads up that, you know, there's Murray and this guy and this guy and this guy and you'd be in the mix, but you know, guarantee and he's just thinking, oh, well. Because like, the games for England are going to be fewer and far between. Like mid-season, I doubt the Roosters are going to let him fly there and fly back for those one-offs they have. Well, they might not have a choice. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm just surprised because I really thought he would be keen as mustard, mainly for the origin side, but with the all the talk around that and their eligibility and if you're born here and your your nation being separate, there might be a change in the rule that allows them to play Origin and play for England in the future. Who knows? I think that's something in the off-season they're going to look at because a lot of people have got their nose out of joint. <clears throat> um, I, yeah, I was just surprised again that the reaction seemed to be a lot more positive than what it did for Toto and others, which, yeah, I don't see the difference. <laughs> Like they're considered a tier one nation, sure, but origins, origin. You, like you were yeah. born here, you can play here. I think international football should be held separately of it if you're, you know, born in Australia. Yeah, I see that argument. And if it boosts the international game, what's the negative? Like for so long, like I said, it was just a fade to play Australia versus who? It's either New Zealand or England. Hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that's again a road you could go down a lot of ways, but it's going to be a talking point, no doubt, after the World Cup. Yeah, uh, all that stuff's going to evolve. I think what that looks like, I'm, I'm not too sure. Mm. But if they really want the international game to be stronger, they should be encouraging more of this sort of stuff without punishing yeah. players and taking away. But again, um, that's a bigger, bigger topic for another day. But I think that wraps up most of the talking points I had and the reviews from the weekend. Let's jump in and do tips and previews for the round ahead. <clears throat> Thanks to bluebet.com.au. If you're going to have a bet with anyone, do it with Bluebet. Download the app today or visit the website. And on all NRL games this week, back a team head-to-head. And if they lead by six points or more at halftime, Bluebet will pay you out as a winner up to $100 in winnings. Lead by six at halftime, you win. Terms and conditions apply. Gamble responsibly. $742.50 in the kitty for the charity account. And hopefully... Another winner this week. Uh, the first game we have is Eels Broncos. 
at Combank Stadium. Madison is back, so they're pretty much back to their strongest lineup. Nick Corey goes back to the bench for Rodwell. Drops to 18th man. And for Brisbane, plenty of players back in post-origin. Oates, Catewell, Carrigan. Cobbo's still out with his concussion. Haas has been named for his first game. And Corey Pakes is also back. Turpin is starting hooker with Walters out with a hip injury. And Palacia, Flegler, Kobe Hetherington shift back to the bench. And Huita, Hosking, Kennedy, and others that were in are out after doing an admirable job the last few weeks. Boxhead. Can Parramatta get it done at home and push themselves into the top four or will the Broncos be too good with their players back? Yeah, I, th- I think Parramatta will win. We're going to get a good test on just exactly where Brisbane are at with this game away from home against a quality side. Well, I'm going to go Parramatta with not much confidence. I really like what Brisbane were building into pre-origin um, with those wins and then they've sort of carried it on and these guys coming back in but again I, I think if they're going to have a flat week it'd be the week after um, the come down of origin all these guys sort of coming back and also there's a different dynamic now um, with new at fullback with the two halves I thought you know he's been doing a really really good job but in terms of what they got with Tamari Martin in terms of their shapes the way they like to swing each side of the field and count numbers news a bit more of a runner a bit more of a free spirit I'll be interested to see that um, sort of in full swing. And on top of that, Haas as well. I know he's had a few weeks off, but will he get through the game? Um, yeah, Parramatta, locked, loaded, home game. It's, it's, it's statement time. This is, again, one of those ones I look at and just say, you have to win. Yeah, that's right. But the odds with bluebet.com.au, sixty favourite are the Eels, 235 for the Broncos, minus three and a half is the line for this game. Uh, Dragons... Critical clash for them <clears throat> up against the Manly Seagulls. And Manly, as we know, like I said, a couple of COVID outs. Uh, they've got Jake Trebojevich. I heard earlier, maybe Davey as well. He's not listed here on the website that he's got it, but I thought I heard earlier that Davey was out as well. So for the time being, Tolfile Sipley has been named at lock. If Davey was confirmed as an out as well, Schuster's on the bench. So I'd assume he'd go straight into the back row with Olakwatu. Um, Aloye is named to start with Kepi. They've got Tapao, Paseca, Walker on the bench. If someone else was going to get called in with Schuster moving in, they might go for Ben as they get, you know, a utility back row middle sort of type player or a Bullimore. But we'll have to wait and see. Other than that, it's the same team that played last week for the Dragons. Moses Mbai comes into the starting side with Moses Suli out with an ankle injury. Jaden Sullivan moves into his spot on the bench. And Tarek Sims comes back in at lock and Aaron Woods is out of the team. Um, even if Jake and Davey are missing, I'm going to stick with Manly. I think with what Manly's doing at the moment, um, you know, big losses, obviously, and you don't want to lose two out of your forward pack when you're building some good form, but I still think with the rotation they've got, LIA, uh, Tapau, Schuster moving in, Paseca, etc. still plenty of big bodies, still enough to punch through that middle, which has been exposed from the Dragons, and then Cherry Evans and Foreign to take advantage. You got me? Yeah, sorry, it's cutting in a little bit. Bloody internet, how good. Uh, I was saying I think that the Manly team... Even yeah, I'm, with, I'm, I'm going Manly as well. Yeah, even with the players missing, I still think yeah. they can punch to that middle and let Foreign and Cherry Evans uh, you know, play off the back of it. It's absolutely hosing outside. Maybe that's having a little bit to do with... 
Yeah, I've got no idea. But the odds with that one, we're both on uh, Manly and with bluebet.com.au, they agree. $1.57, 240 for the Dragons. And the line on this one again is three and a half. Um, Knights, Roosters, critical game for the Roosters. Knights obviously can't play for finals, but playing to uh, restore any sort of pride and build for the future. They've got some changes coming into this one as well. Dom Young is in the reserves. He is trying to overcome an injury. For that reason, Heimel Hunt's named on the wing for his first game of the season. Tyson Frizzell and Edric Lee have got injuries but have been named, so they're both under a cloud. Simi Sasagi has been ruled out, and Brody Jones comes in for him, and Kurt Mann joins the bench after missing with injury last week. So a lot of injury clouds there. For the Roosters again, Kiri comes back after concussion. We'll wait and see. Jared's been named again, but he was pulled last week. Their reshuffle with those three injuries to Tokyo's, to Tilly. Um, and obviously, Billy Smith is Manu going back to the centers. Kiri into the halves. Lodge starting up front with Jared and Nat Butcher moves to the back row to cover. And like I said, their bench now is Watson, Egan Butcher, Drew Hutchison, and Terrell May. So. They're a bit lighter on in that regard, so expecting big minutes from Radley, Ray Hargraves, and Lodge again. I'm still going to go. Still going to go the Roosters. Yeah. Um, must win, but yeah. Interesting to see how they use that bench. It's a fairly light bench, that's for sure. But for Newcastle, yeah, zero confidence them even at home. And Bluebet.com.au agrees. Three eighty outsiders are the Knights. The Roosters a dollar twenty seven minus eleven and a half. The line on this one. Raiders Warriors again must win for the Raiders to keep pushing along uh, at home, which is also a very happy hunting ground generally for the Canberra Raiders. In terms of changes, Rapana suspended for two weeks. Kotrick comes back in, good timing. James Schiller ankled his injury late in that game. He's replaced by Albert Hopewade on the other wing. Elliot Whitehead returns after a week off, injured with his knee. So Corey Harawira Naira goes to the bench, and for the Warriors. A couple of big changes. Reese Walsh on the bench. Um, obviously looking to the future. Dejan Arcee comes into 5'8 ahead of Ron Volkman, who they said they were going to give some rest um, because he's so young for the back end of the year. And Chanel Harris-DeVito goes back to fullback after a great game against the Tigers. Surprised me because he's moving on that they'd put him there. And Dallin retains the Lesniak returns on the wing in the place of Edward Kosey. So... Uh, Lots of changes again, and on the road, I'll be going the Raiders at home. Yeah, me too. Raiders. And, uh, can win those uh, crunch games at home, definitely. 100%. And bluebet.com.au agrees. $1.30 for the Raiders, three fifty for the Warriors. Minus 10.5 is the line on that one. Probably the game I'm looking most forward to, Panthers at Bluebet Stadium up against the Cronulla Sharks. Um, all their players back in from last week, all seven Origin players, so Fallsy, Sony Luke, Jennings, Lindsay Smith, etc., all back out of the side. And the makeup of the bench is the one that was the point of interest. Uh, Spencer Lenu misses out. Yeah, they've stuck with Mitch Kenny, Scott Sorensen, Matty Eisenhuth, and Jamin Semmon, who's really made a fist of his opportunities during this Origin period, finds himself in. He's sort of been that guy on the fringe. Um, but for now, they're going with him. And I, I guess Kenny, I, I still think they're a little bit light on when they play Kenny in the middle for too long, along with Sorensen and Eisenhuth. But Salmon, I think, is a really handy guy to have there. A guy that is, was a junior kangaroo six who can play center, can play back row, play a few positions, but certainly made his way in over the year and 
Um, on the flip side for the Sharks, that loss of Katoa, no surprise, as we said. Tracy moves on to that wing spot. Uh, and other than that, yeah, they're looking very, very strong after getting Ueli back. Wade's played a few games now. They had a debutante last week, and Jesse Calhoun, so they're just building on this squad and the depth they've got, and their bench looks pretty good with Wilton, McInnes, Ueli, and Fafita. What about... Yeah, it does, 100%. 100%. It looks really, really strong. You think uh, they can give Penrith a bit of a shake here, or do you expect a response from no, Penrith? I think Penrith will come back to near full strength, like you said, and I don't expect them to get the job done, but it'll be just a good, nice little line in the sand moment here for our Cronulla. Mm. See where they're at, give themselves a test. But if you do want to face Penrith, now is not a bad week to do it. Yeah, well, like you said, everyone's back, but off the origin period and, you know, probably not... Yeah, it's more that. Not having a lot of time together, having so many players out for a six-week period. Um, It'll be interesting to see how they they pull up. I think they'll obviously be fresher than what they would have been if they're backed up, but I won't expect them to be humming first game back. No. But certainly the best test you can get after the two wins you've picked up. That's right. So we're going to see, and I'm on the Panthers as well. Um, and with bluebet.com.au, they're a $1.23 favourite. The Sharks, $4.15. 12 and a half start if you think the Sharks can put up uh, a bit of a decent fight there. And yeah, that, that's one I'm really looking forward to watching this round. Not only that game, but the next one I'm looking forward to seeing. Also because it's got me nervous that we might lose four in a row. But the Storm up against the Bunnies at Acor Stadium. Uh, for the south side of things, Cameron Murray returns after his head knock. And uh, Damien Cook, who was rested, comes back. Mawali and Harvili go back to the bench. Saluka Fafita goes to 18th man. Jed Cartwright has been promoted to the centres with Tarn Milne dropping out. And for the Storm, Pappenhausen out for the season. For now, they've got Nick Meany at fullback, which will remain the case. But Tyron Wishart's been named on the wing. And Grant Anderson looked like he was going to be out for a bit longer. They've named him on the bench. I find that a bit strange. Um so with no Brandon Smith still, I'd probably assume that Wishart might come back to the bench and sort of act as nine cover for maybe 20 minutes and a few other roles, or who knows, they, they might actually just want to look at Wishart there to see how he starts the game off. For the juniors, he's played six, seven, nine, and fullback. Um, he's sort of been a bit of a Mr. Fix that they like him. Um, but yeah, him and Aramir on the wing, Seve, it's, it's like I said, when, when you've got all those sort of guys playing your back line, that worries me with their edges, that's for sure. Yeah, okay. um, yeah I, I'm not really confident about this one. And again, just that bench rotation, like McDonald, Anderson, Jordan, Grant, like there's lots of low-minute guys there. Tui's the only one who sort of plays big minutes. If you can get through that period of Nelson and Jesse and that early on part with Melbourne, I think you can certainly get them through the middle. So with that being the case, um, and also Latrell being in the form he is and Cody and the environment up here, I'm going to tip south. <clears throat> Everything's telling me to tip south, I'm going to tip Melbourne. Yeah, I think the other scary thing in my mind is that edge that gives me absolute night terrors with Seve and that on the right is where, you know, souths are just lethal. I can just see in my head Luttrell, Cody, Johnson, etc., just piling down that side as much as possible if they can open up the middle of the field. But mm. we're uh, lucky enough to be playing before this game, so we're going to hang around and have a look, mate. Yeah, I'm very, very nervous. Um, at bluebet.com.au, rightfully so. It's a close market. Souths are $2. The Storm are $1.80, minus one and a half 
the line for this one. Um, and yeah, maybe a couple of late changes on game day, but looking even at the extended squad, Chris Lewis, Cooper Johns, Young Tonomapaya, Eisenhuth, and Young Suolavi Farlogo. Yeah, I, I can't see any late reshuffles in that regard. So yeah, that bench concerns me. Um, and also those edges still. So big opportunity for South here to keep that momentum going, which would, I think, be four in a row for them and four losses in a row for Melbourne. But yeah, that's a big one. Doggies, Titans, Sunday at Combank Stadium uh, for the Doggies. Adokar has been named despite that injury last week and taught that he could miss the rest of the season. So clearly a lot better than they originally thought. Aaron Shop is listed as 18th man as he looks to return from COVID while Matt Dufty is among the reserves. At the moment, they've still got Declan Casey in the center. So I probably should have mentioned like the poor bugger. Horror debut in the wet, couple of errors, and then goes off with a horrendous knockout. It was terrible to see, but really got redemption last week and a much happier story. Great game. Had a hand in a, a cracker of a of a play there and scored a try himself. So a good bounce back and a much happier moment in game two. That's all right, yeah. Um, and for your mob, the Titans, big boost. Jaden Campbell is back. They've known you on the bench for now. Back from that hamstring. Tino moves back in to start. Aaron Clark goes back to the bench. And Kevin Proctor is listed amongst the reserves again for a possible return. Uh, I really like the doggies in this one with what they've been showing and just their consistency. Yeah, can't hit the Titans. No chance. They bring the sort of energy and effort they have been. Um, yeah, could get ugly for the Titans if they're not up for the fight. Mm. Bluebet.com.au agrees with us. $1.52 favourite. The dogs, and they wouldn't have been favourite many times this year. Two fifty-five for the Titans, minus five and a half is the line. And the last game, this could be absolutely anything. The Cowboys, after the rough period, which started off as a great reward with six guys in and three playing, finishes with six playing in the last game. Almost twelve involved in the camps, a couple of injuries, but they return home against the Tigers. Holmes is back in the centres. Tulungi's back on the wing. Tommy Dearden's back in the halves. Leilua's pushed up to the front row um, to cover the loss of McLean. They've got Nenai and Gilbert, the origin back rowers. Tamalolo back at lock. Hamiso pushes back to the bench with Granville. Jermaine Tanoa Brown and Griffin Neem. Uh, and like I said, in a couple of weeks, Cotter back. I'm pretty sure McLean will be back before the finals. They're going to want to make a statement, I think, as well. Um, after having so many guys going to camp, heading home, Playing the Tigers, uh, they've got a couple of guys changed in. Roberts and Nofaluma are in the reserves for a possible return. Jimmy Tarmow's playing his 300th game appropriately against the team that he won a premiership with. Zane Musgrave goes back to the bench, and they've brought back Tyron Peachy after a long stint out, and Alex Safarth, and Brent Naden as well back on the wing. So lots of movement this week for the Tigers, but they've dropped... Austin Dias back out. Justin Matamua's obviously dropped back out. So, again, not pushing forward with some of those guys that you're going to be building with, which surprises me. I think this could be a cricket score. I agree. Mm, I agree. Up there. They love playing up there. It's been a real good origin period. They'll be looking to just, yeah, build on the confidence that a lot of those guys would have got. Yeah, I just, this could get real ugly. And bluebet.com, but are you agrees they're a dollar eight, a bit of bank interest. Eight dollars are the Tigers, minus 19 and a half available there in terms of points. So, uh, 
looking at our tips, the only difference we have is the South Storm game. There you go. Pretty unanimous. But again, lots of games that have an impact on the bottom of the eight, shuffling in the fight for the top four. Eels, Broncos is an absolute cracker. Panthers, Sharks, Souths, Melbourne. Like we got, we got three really quality games there, and a couple other ones that will, you know, have an impact on jockeying for some of those positions. So it's a pretty good weekend of football. Yeah, it is. And just having a quick look at the futures markets now that we're on the run home for bluebet.com.au. The Panthers heavy favourites. They're two dollars now. Melbourne's still on the second line there at six fifty. Cowboys seven fifty. Sharks now into nine dollars. Parramatta. At 10 and South, I don't know what they were before, but I'm sure they've shortened in. They've now come to 19. Um, they're probably your value if you think they've got, you know, a fair bit of room for improvement. The Roosters and the Broncos are both on 23. I thought the Broncos would have been ahead given, you know, squad and players coming back. Um, and then Manly, 29, I can't see it. And the Raiders, 81, I can't see it. So if I'm looking at that, if I'm being honest, I'm probably more looking from Souths up, but I'd probably have Brisbane definitely in front of the Roosters. Um, but if I'm being real, I think it's Penrith. And if I was going to pick someone right now, I'd, I'd say it's probably the Cowboys or the Sharks. Yeah, I, I don't know. As I said earlier, I think it will just be... I'd love to see Para Penrith. team can, yeah, not only put themselves in the top four position, but improve their football to a point where they understand how to beat Penrith and how their team goes out on the field and executes a plan which can beat Penrith. Yeah, I'd really love the Battle of the West in the grand final. Just that spite and that anger. Like, it's always a really good game. It's always a tight game. But <clears throat> if Parramatta could get it right and somehow land in the four or get on a run and have that as the grand final, and again, they haven't won a premiership in 36 years trying to not stop Penrith from going back-to-back, I think that would be a great matchup. Yeah, it would be. Um, it'd be... Yeah, a pretty good one. And it, the Sharks or the Cowboys would be a hell of a story. The, the Cowboys would be a huge story after a couple of lean years and everyone piling on paint last year and just avoiding the spoon. If they were to somehow go from the back of the pack to all these origin players and kids to play in the grand final, um, that'd be a great story as well. Yeah. Also, the Sharks with a, a first-year coach and a couple of players he brought over. But, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited this time of year. Origin, like I said, for me, things flatten out a little bit and there's, there's pros and cons, but... This run home um, has, has got a lot to it. So the next few weeks, is, there's some great games and a lot of interest. In so Definitely. Big thanks. Yes, it is. Big thanks to bluebet.com.au. Hopefully another winner for our charity account this week. And a big thanks to Penrith Solar Centre. Don't be sidelined by rising power bills. Get in contact today on 1820 2930 or visit www.penrithsolar.com.au. Bills are going through the roof. Cost of living is going up. There is no better time to invest in a system to save yourself and your family. Boxhead, thank you. Uh, again, apologies to everybody for the coughs and the clearings of the throat and a few internet connections. I'm Hopefully, apologising to anyone. People should be saying thank you <laughs> for staying up until midnight to record this. Well, after working a bit of training or not, and then now doing the podcast. Hopefully, we'll be back in person next week. Uh, and yeah, the run home is on. How are things going to shake out? Who's going to land in the top four? Who's going to get in the bottom half of the eight? Can't wait to see it. But for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.